0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Planet Fantasy Podcast and we're your hosts damon and kyle kyle merry christmas belated merry christmas happy boxing day happy lighter candy day how are you now
1: (laughs) so many days yes merry all of the things uh yeah last episode of 2021 how you feeling feeling pretty good it's been a good weekend
0: you know uh festive times times with family good food um for christmas i requested a charcuterie board and uh that was fantastic and munched on that I'm like planning on munching on that after the podcast and then some more tomorrow and the next day it's just it's it's a gift that keeps giving so i'm very excited about that <laughs> um but yeah it's been good anything of of notice to, to tell the people
1: anything going on with you um i'm still on my my star wars rewatch i yeah, feels like it's it probably like listening to these episodes, it probably sounds like it's taking forever, but I timed it well so that I would finish Mando season two, like the day before Book of Boba Fett dropped. So I could just roll right into that. Um So I'm in season two of Mando right now. I just I just watched uh, fuck episode four, I think. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the one where they where he meets back up with uh, Grief Karga and Cara Dune and, you know, all the shenanigans ensue. Great episode. Really good. So many great episodes. There's,
0: I don't know if I'd consider any of the episodes like maybe not bad, maybe episodes you'd rather not watch again. I mean, I know we were talking about the Ice Spider episode earlier, yeah. <laughs> the Hebe um So that's that's so good. I cannot wait for Book of Boba Fett. Uh, three days from when we're recording. When this drops, you might have already watched the episode, so... That's right. I am so happy. I'm sure we'll do an Effie's Award show for that Mm -hmm. um, down the road. Maybe sometime in February when it ends. I don't even know Mm -hmm. how many episodes it's getting. Have we heard? I think it's six or eight. I think it's eight because they're keeping with Mando. Okay, that's fair. Cool. I have just been watching... Started a binge of community again. I'm sure y'all have <laughs> heard that before. <laughs> me say that. It's so good. And uh, of course, watch the the new season of Larry Kenny today. Fantastic. Just outstanding.
1: Also, everyone, if you haven't, go follow Damon on Twitter because the the live updates of the community then just, just giving me life. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> um, also, today we were talking about some amazing stuff. And with us are amazing friend fellow rat bird enthusiast friend of the pod Anna how's it going
2: it's great how was your holiday good
0: it was holiday it was
1: <laughs> other than the know, for worse.
0: the charcuterie board was great uh seeing the kids my my nephew and niece's open presence was was really fun I haven't been able to do that for for a couple of years so it was good it's good to be home for the holidays how was yours
2: it's pretty chaotic but it's very unbrand. so yeah. nothing to really yeah, I mean, chaotic for the
0: agent of chaos i'm shocked <laughs> um tell the people what you've been watching recently what's been on the binge
2: uh so i'm actually binging mando season two because of boba fett um but right before that i finished witcher
1: find your own thing to do <laughs> Yeah, because oh, no one sh- else is doing that.
2: <laughs> right I'm shifting into Boba mode, okay?
0: God. Uh, well, how was Witcher? Uh, will you be talking more about the Witcher later? No.
2: I can either confirm or deny that statement.
0: <laughs> Very solid stuff. <laughs> um, it's good to have you back. It's been a minute. Um, I know we're going to have you on the amazing uh mcu hunger games coming up Mm -hmm. but this one this one's a fun one because we are talking about the best tv seasons of 2021 essentially we were back with the children of the tube and it's it's great to be back um essentially any tv series that had a season that either ended this year or its entire run was was this year um there's quite a lot. Like I was saying before the episode, I I watched 41 new new seasons of TV, um, so I have a, quite a bit of a list to draft from. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. Are y'all ready for this one?
1: It's gonna be brutal.
2: <laughs> I feel vastly unprepared after finding out that Damon watched 41 seasons of TV. To be quite honest,
0: I only get to draft four. So wait, I can... wait,
1: does like does 41 count? Like fucking. The mass singer, and like,
0: I'm not counting any real life performance show or anything. No
1: competition shows or anything.
0: I straight up, I didn't count Big Brother. Okay. I got like, I'll just throw out just random stuff of what I watched.
1: That's even more. Pacific Rim,
0: The Black. That was good. Reservation Dogs. It's Always Sunny. That just finished up Mm -hmm. 15 seasons, y'all. Bad Batch, Modoc. Young Rock, uh, Solar Opposites, Hit Monkey, What If, uh, Heels—really good show if you like I wrestling. do will need to watch Heels, yeah. It, it's it's very promising. Um, <laughs> where Jupiter's was,
2: Legacy.
0: <laughs> where was Lex- where
2: was Tiger King on your your draft list? Forty-one.
0: Well, for one, I Is just said I'm 41. not putting real people shows on my list. Like I'm not <laughs> including that. That doesn't it's count. A that doesn't
1: count. None of those people it's a are documentary. real. <laughs>
0: I, I I'm not I never watched it. I, I don't think I ever will. I got my fill of Tiger that's King. Right so uh,
2: oh it's so terrible. It's so terrible, it's good, and then it's actually even more terrible. That's how bad that's, it is.
0: That's our review of Tiger King season two here. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't rapies.
2: watch it. I watched it. I watched it for you. It's not worth it.
0: Trust me, guys. I appreciate that about you. Um and I love but,
2: true crime. So the fact that I say it's not that good means it's really
0: not that good that's very fair (laughs) okay but we are going to be drafting 12 amazing seasons of tv but before we do we've got to pick out that order kyle what is the list game
1: that's right so just like our episode with ryan we're going to be taking one of these cards and just translating it into a tv themed list so let's see um I'm going to redraw movies with snakes. TV shows. TV shows. I mean, Uh, The Crocodile Hunter. (laughs) Any nature show. All right, let me just redraw. Okay, let's see. Oh, I mean, this is even this is rough. Movies with Scarlett Johansson. Is she even in any TV shows? She never did TV. I don't,
0: I mean, maybe she did. I'm sure she maybe had like some extra work, but. I think she was pretty much in the movies.
1: I'm actually shocked she didn't play the lead role in uh, the Cowboy Bebop uh, remake that came out this year. <laughs> the John Cho role. Um, that's a uh, Scarlett Johansson is Asian joke. Uh-huh. Let's just do movies with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
3: god.
1: Is that what we're gonna do? I mean, it's up to y'all. Do you want me to just keep redrawing?
0: Yeah. Let's uh. Let's let's do movies with ScarJo. I'm okay. fine with that. Cool. Anna, you start us off. I'll go second, and Kai will will be third.
2: Black Widow.
4: It's a good one. Good one. Endgame. All right, let's just get them all out of the way. Iron Man 2. Avengers. Infinity War. Age of Ultron. Uh, Winter Soldier. Civil War. Is that um, all of them?
1: Is it? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, just her. I forgot her other MCU movies. Her.
2: Marriage Story.
4: Oof.
1: Great movie. Lucy. Um, <sighs> ghost in the Shell. <laughs> oh,
4: my God. Uh, sing. Ghost World. Mm
3: -hmm. Was that her first?
1: It was one of her first for sure. It's a good movie. Um, As of this recording, we can't say Sing 2 because I don't think it came out yet. Maybe it did.
0: It just came out. Sing 2. It came out like on Christmas. (laughs) I haven't even seen it. I'm assuming (laughs) she's in it. (laughs) Is she? I didn't know she was in the first one, to be
1: honest. Because no (laughs) one saw that movie. It was okay, I guess. I mean, it It got a simple.
2: It was cute. That's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's cute. Yeah, she's she's in the second one.
4: Okay. And uh jungle book. Lost in translation? Y'all didn't say that, right? Ooh, nice. No. Uh Vicky Christie Barcelona.
2: Nice. Uh the other Berlin girl.
4: The prestige. Mm. My favorite. <laughs> uh Jojo Rabbit. I still
2: was she in, was she in Spider-Man Homecoming? Or is no. that just a weird fever dream I had No, you're remember. thinking
1: of Gwyneth paltrow who forgot she was in Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, okay, then Black Dahlia.
1: Ooh.
4: I may be tapped out on Scar Joe rolls. Five. Four. Three. Two. One.
1: Time. Don Julio. I know what you're thinking of. That's not it. But you're going to kick yourself because it's, so it's so gone. close. Yeah, it's definitely not so Don close. Julio. It Dang is it. Uh-huh. Don John. Don, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that one. It, like, pops in my head as, like, Don something. (laughs) Uh,
2: He's just not that into you.
4: He never is. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) I just had one. Fuck. Oh, we bought a zoo. Match point. Five. Four. Chef. There we go. Uh...
2: Did
4: we say Home Alone
2: three?
1: <laughs> oh my god, Wait, no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, denied. Did what a fucking saying. pull! It counts! I think, I think that she was her it. first movie.
0: She was in some. She was in some TV series, apparently uh, a couple uh, well, at first. Any of them? Um. Oh,
4: I did not know that was her first movie. Wow. Ooh. Okay. That wasn't, but the one I'm looking at is
1: she in *The Spirit*?
4: Is she, is that your guess?
1: Yeah, with Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Is that her first movie? No, okay. that was that was like in the
0: 2000s.
4: Oh, okay. Five. Four, three, two, one, Anna, no, nothing,
1: we're out.
2: I, I can think of one more, but it's a bit of a stretch.
1: Oh, well, what did time's you, out now. Why did you say that was your turn?
2: Oh, I thought it was Kyle's turn.
1: No, I said okay, the spirit.
0: Oh. Yeah, oh. and then I was counting down
1: for you, and I said Anna. Just give her another five. She didn't know.
2: All right, SpongeBob's SquarePants movie.
1: Uh oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, She's, uh, she played
2: Mindy. Yeah.
4: Cheers. <laughs> um,
2: sure
4: Hail Caesar. Yes.
2: Um. Did we say The Island?
1: We did not. Holy fuck, we're gonna literally say her entire filmography. Um,
0: well, she oh. was in The Island. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Yeah, it was, it was
1: her in a... Ewan McGregor.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. I like that movie more than it was, most people.
1: It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen
0: let's... it since I saw it though.
4: <laughs> oh God. Five. Four. Three. Two. That's it. One. Uh, We miss
0: classics such as Eight Legged Freaks, (laughs) My Brother and the Pig, The Horse Whisperer, and her very first movie, North.
1: Oh, she was in North.
0: Oh, my God. She was actually before anything. She was on Late Night with Conan O'Brien as Sarah Hughes. That's confusing, but it was probably just a sketch he did. All right. Anna, you are the winner. So,
4: what is that order for the draft?
2: Okay. I'm going to do me first, Kyle second, Damon third, only because Damon has apparently watched like every single new season of TV. So, oh,
0: that hurts. Kyle's going
2: to
1: get
0: it. Kyle's going to get <laughs> it. Yeah. Oh. Okay, I'm okay. I'm so happy. I'm all right. So okay. Anna. You have been selected by yourself to be first overall. Start us off with the first overall pick for this
4: draft.
2: Ted Lasso, baby! (laughs)
4: It's
2: mine. Calling it. (laughs) Shocker. A twist that shocked and surprised no one. Okay. So I actually came to the Ted Lasso game pretty late, literally the week before the season two finale um, because you guys pulled me into it um, and I'm not ashamed to admit that but I was so excited about watching it I just powered through I think in two three days and I don't really watch tv shows like Ted Lasso I normally just stick to the sci-fi fantasy genre but it was just so heartwarming And it was very well written. So the fact that I binged it that quickly was just one shocking. And the cast was just really endearing. Like no matter what, every single person that was cast for the show was perfect for their particular role. And I'm not going to lie. Phoebe is the star of the show, not (laughs) Ted Lasso. Anyone who disagrees with me, you know, we can go have a conversation about that later. Um, Yeah, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite seasons of TV this year. And I mean, who doesn't love Roy Kent, to be honest?
4: Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so
0: so glad you got this, though.
1: This uh, this had to be like the first pick of the draft. I mean, yeah. Especially with the three of us, like we all—I mean, along with the rest of the entire internet—but like we all love this show. Um, I also came to it pretty late. I came to it, I think, a week before the season two premiere. Uh, but I mean, we we talked about you know the episodes that were drafted, uh, you know, two weeks ago with this season. I I just think it was really impressive. Like when you have a season like season one that is like. Kind of just like real, like like unapologetically, like sincere and like optimistic. It's like, how do you like? What do you do after that? And it's the the, w- the way they did season two was the correct choice. And like, kind of taking that and then looking at like the stuff underneath it, and like kind of the like why Ted is the way he is and why Roy is the way he is, and especially like why Jamie. You know, they fleshed out Jamie so so well. I love Jamie Jamie in season two. Um. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I don't know if anyone has said this, so I'm not going to claim it as like I had this in crazy, you know, this genius thought that no one's ever thought before. But it feels like Ted Lasso is the closest any show has gotten to the Muppets with like humans. You know what I mean? Like they're all just like so and it makes sense because Roy Kent or uh, uh, Bright Goldstein is like a huge Muppets fan, um, but they're all just so like endearing and like wholesome and. Uh, and just immediately like recognizable too. Like there's also like even like the side characters are like fleshed out and like real people. You know like Higgins is like a really really fun side character. Um, yeah, this is this is a correct first book. Oh, I'm just mad at poor didn't get
2: Higgins.
0: It. <laughs> poor, oh. poor
1: Higgins always.
0: <laughs> no poor Higgins. Okay, Higgins takes everything with a smile and trudges on because nothing really bothers him. He'll let you know if it does. He is. I love his arc. Okay, him with his wife was some of the best scenes and moments of of season two. Those are just heart to like heartwarming. And the, apparently that was his real wife. I, I believe oh, what I read. Cool. Um, don't quote me on that. That's just what I read. And you never know what you read is true anymore because they just do that nowadays. But um, <laughs> season two of Ted Lasso, like how said, it's it was a really great progression of season 1. Season 1 was one of the funniest, heartwarming, inspiring like seasons in general, but like to start off like season 1 to pretty much know what they wanted to do like that. Um of course written and created by Bill Lawrence, my my guy, uh Scrubs lore. He also did um I believe uh Cougar Town, is that what yep. it's called? Mhm. And he's just so good. He's so good at writing believable characters that feel real and authentic. Um, Also great with ensembles. Like, this is an amazing ensemble cast. It's called Ted Lasso, but, like, almost could have been called AFC Richmond. Yeah. You know, it could have been given a couple different names because Ted is that character that gets you involved with everything, and he's always important. But really, you're just as invested with Keeley and Roy and Jan and uh, Sam, of course, Rebecca, Higgins, like you keep naming so many people. And the fact that like you you care about all of them in different ways, it just shows you how well the show is written and how well it does it making you care for these people. Um, they just feel real. Um, and then season two becomes not a comedy, but like a drama, which was done in such a brilliant way. It became so emotional and real, and devastating in a lot of parts, like I don't know if I cried maybe, like, maybe once or twice in the se- first season, I, you know it's been a minute since I watched it, but season two, it was just like every other episode, they were just kept hitting you with something, like, real Nate with his parents, and his father, mm-hmm. um Keely and Roy, uh, Ted and the whole thing with his father and it's just it just keeps kept piling on, and like I loved it. Um, it wasn't towards my top just because I felt like it being season two, I feel like it has a lot of stuff still unresolved. And of course that's by design. You know, this is right. the second part. And I believe a trilogy or a four piece, I think they said they wanted to do three or four seasons, like what they have clearly written in their heads for the story. So like, this is in the middle. This like, this is smack dab, everything. This is their empire. So stuff is messy, stuff is unresolved, stuff is like going, you know, dark, but I still very much enjoyed it. I think I'm going ver- like, to like season three even more so just because of what season two built on to get mm-hmm. us to the point of season three, what I've been waiting for. Um, great pick, Anna. Not surprised at all. Who's who's your favorite Ted Lasso character, Anna? Other than Phoebe, I will say, because Phoebe, you, you already showed your love for Phoebe.
2: Um, so really one of the I'm gonna go on a tangent for a second. One of the main reasons I drafted it is because the show actually did make me cry, not once, but twice, but three times. And I don't cry during movies like at all or TV, but the fact that it was able to generate such an evisceral a, a visceral reaction for me was very shocking, which shows how well written it was. And then you had the beard episode, right? Which is just super chaotic. <laughs>
1: Or you cry out of confusion instead.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> um but my favorite character is obviously Roy Kent. <laughs> like mm. I have a brand, I have to stick to it. Um he I really think that Jamie has the best theme song though, in comparison to Roy. That's the hell oh. I'm prepared to die on today.
1: <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. It made me like Baby Shark, or the, at least the tune of Baby Shark. They're very
0: clever very with catchy. like their whole, with their whole like fans and the way their fans interact with the team in general, and the songs and stuff they have about the whole like football culture. I think mm-hmm. is really well done and spot on.
3: And
0: yeah, I, I think so like those the three got the three pub guys. Their whole <laughs> scene in the Coach Bird episode was so like like I wish I could feel that like. As being a big sports fan, like just to be able to run on the field of like the Superdome or something like uh, that would be so fun. Yeah. Um, this show's great. I, I think my favorite character is Keely. I love Keely. She's so supportive. She's so confident and never is afraid to be who she is like at any point in time. And uh, like the whole beginning of her and Roy, I absolutely loved in season one and to see their progression, Now we don't really know what's going to be going down. You know, don't want to exactly spoil the show, but it's it's uh, uncertain waters. So. But Ted Lasso, Kyle dressed up as Ted as for Halloween, which I loved. That was one of my favorite looks I saw for Halloween this year. You you definitely pulled it off, man. Uh, Thank you. you Yeah, you had the stash for it. Ted, Ted's (laughs) the mighty stash. You you killed it. Um, Yeah, Ted, I'm pretty sure we'll be getting a season three. Coming up in a hopefully a couple months. Yeah. So this is a fantastic first pick. But let's move on to Kyle's, and uh, you're you're not drafting what I think you're drafting, right? Let's so let let yeah I'm right. I'm just.
1: Yeah, gonna... there's no suspense about this. I'm in a shocking twist of events. I'm grateful to Anna uh, for my placement in the draft order. Uh, I'm of course picking Midnight Mass. Sorry, Damon. Um, Your sins yeah. are not forgiven. <laughs> Go to hell. So uh I have to first ask if Anna finished this yet.
2: I did not, but I am not emotionally attached to it, so you can go ahead and do
1: spoilers. Okay. I was you worried about you. I was like, she's probably not gonna make it. She's not gonna survive to the end.
2: <laughs> I I tried. I made it to episode five. Ooh, I just could yeah. not finish it because I am not all the listeners know, but I am not a horror person. Mm-hmm. So the fact that damon and kyle just kept talking about this show I was like shit they're gonna want to one of them's gonna draft it so i need to be able to watch at least some of it to understand what the hell is going on
1: what a great Um, what a great guest doing her homework did you
0: did you stop watching because it was too scary for you and unsettling or just you just weren't into it you just it was boring or not you weren't into it
2: no christmas that's literally the reason why i couldn't finish it
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh, so you okay? You, you stopped because Christmas happened.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> correct.
0: Okay, so you, okay, I we highly recommend you keep watching then, just
1: especially at where you left off. If you watched up mm-hmm. to episode five, yeah, you're almost
0: there. Just finish, yeah. You you only have the climax left, really. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I. I kind of... So I was glad to draft an episode of this two weeks ago, but I wanted to really... This is a show... It dropped, you know, I think, like, early October, I think. Um, And it's a show... Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's one that I've just, like, thought about, like, constantly since watching it. And I haven't rewatched any of the episodes because as much as I love it, it is a pretty, like, heavy watch at at times. Um, But it's just one... Like, so I I love the horror genre, but what I really love is like kind of what we've been getting in the last few years of what some people call elevated horror, which I'm not a big fan of that term, but like horror that kind of deals with trauma and like themes of like loss and grief and guilt and like real kind of real life stuff. And like, that's where the horror is found. And obviously Mike Flanagan kind of makes his name off of doing that with all of his movies and shows and I really, I think Midnight Mass is his, his magnum opus. I mean, I think of course we still have his Edgar Allan Poe show coming and, and, uh, the Midnight Society coming out. And so he's not done in any case, but like Midnight Mass is just, it's perfection. I, I, it's one of my favorite seasons of television I've ever seen. Um, on a, on a per a bit of a personal note too, just as someone who in the last like couple of years has started to experience a bit of a, like, a reevaluation of, you know, like I was, I was raised in a Christian household and a very like strict Christian household. And so a lot of the show rings a little like too true, like a little too close to home. Um, cause then I I just know so many people like the people that live on Crockett Island. And I I know a lot of Bev Keynes, you know, like just utterly despicable ladies who just justify everything they do by their faith. Um, but so watching it was really cool timing because I've experienced just a lot of like, Uh, just doubt and like it's kind of scary when you believe something so fully growing up and then it just you don't anymore Um, but there is a again we're talking about like full season so we don't want to spoil kind of the nitty-gritty of these shows but there is a monologue and Anna you haven't gotten to it yet so I don't want to talk about it too much but there's a monologue in the finale that Kate Siegel's character delivers and it kind of is pulled some of the lines are pulled from a conversation she has with Riley earlier in the show but it's basically kind of this show's take on what the afterlife might be um and it's beautiful like I've I've gone back and just watched that clip on YouTube over and over again because it is it's very comforting and reassuring in the midst of like kind of reevaluate reevaluating things I've believed for like my entire life getting to watch that clip and being like it's okay to not know Like it's okay to not know what is out there after death or, you know, all these things. And that's kind of the point of this show. I think, you know, it's, it's a horror show and it's, it's about that kind of stuff as well, but it really is about belief and faith and what comes after life and, and kind of like the consequences of our actions. And I just, I'm so impressed. I've, like I said, I've not stopped thinking about it since watching it and the performances are just on another level. I mean, Hamish Linklater, if he doesn't get at least a... I don't know when the Golden Globes are, Emmys or whatever. If he doesn't get a nomination, at least I'm going to lose my mind because he is just fucking incredible in this show. Um, but, yeah, Damon, I'm I'm sorry that I, I grabbed it before you, but I had to. It had to be done.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm not excited, but I mean... <laughs> It, it was going to get picked either then or, or the next pick. But uh, just, you know, for the people who don't really know what the show is about, um, I just throw it down a little synopsis, OK? A, a show set on a coastal New England island that has is come to a being a broken down place no one hopes to be in. Midnight Mass introduces us to a Catholic church that is one of the few slices of community there. The priest of the church is away on business, but to arrive back soon. Instead, a man shows up in his place. Uh, to take his place, Father Paul, who brings with him a change of energy and possible hope. Another person arrives on the island at the same time, though this is more of your prodigal son variety, is Riley grew up here before heading out for greener pastures. He returns a felon, a man who spent most of his recent time in prison for killing a man, for killing someone while driving drunk. He is there back home with his parents, but he's not really sure what to do with the rest of his life these two men's lives become intertwined along with everyone else in this town a web that soon becomes complex and confusing dark and bloodied as miracles flow and we witness how religion can be so uplifting and dangerous and essentially we we just follow the people of this town especially the people of the church and we see what father paul brings to them and how hopeful they get at what he can show and what he can promise, and how anyone who is a follower of faith can be led astray with their faith, and just how dangerous that can be. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's a show that's very much based on that idea of what re, how bad religion can be when used wrongly uh, for the people who are using it for nefarious purposes for their own personal gain. Just for something that they thought was right and it wasn't um it's a lot of allegory but at the backdrop it is this super creepy very haunting tale uh that we won't say what it is because you gotta find that out for yourself mm-hmm. it was when i did i was just like whoa they did it i was uh yeah. it was, it's, it's a little fun like what's happening for the first few episodes That's and then the towards the part. end
1: yeah, you don't so, know what uh, what yeah, kind of traditional this. horror show it is until oh fuck, it's that.
0: <laughs> and even then, my favorite parts of it is just when you have Father Paul mm-hmm. and Riley talking to each other oh, uh, yeah. in their AA meetings, or when you have Father Paul and uh freak, what's his name, uh the the drunk, uh, uh hey?
1: Joe, Joe, Joe,
0: Joe, yeah, Joe, yep, Joe. When when he's talking, of course, with uh with the girl, yeah, um. That that scene right there was was something. Um, yeah. Just everything, all the scenes with Rahul uh, Coley as the sheriff talking to everybody, telling them how fucking racist and backass they are. Like it's so good oh, and it's too real. Like this show is so real. You're like, yeah, I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Yeah, hmm But it's shot in such a beautiful way. Flanagan lets everyone sing in their own time. The dialogue is just it's i could listen to him write dialogue forever and hear all these actors talking it's just like people just shooting the shit and it's nothing absolutely nothing happening other than this conversation it's like uh mm uh-huh wow you learn more than you could about any other way about these people and their lives and like their motives and just what makes them tick and it really informs of like what they're going to do going forward in these situations it and it just makes it more believable. And you're like, yep, yeah, that's what they would do. This, this makes, yep. I, I could see that happening. Right. Mike like father Flanagan is, is my guy in horror. I'm going to watch everything he does. Dr. Sleep. Don't sleep on Dr. Oh sleep. God.
1: So good.
0: Amazing movie. Yeah. So good. I watched Hush this year. Really good. I have to disagree with Kyle slightly. Midnight Mass is the best thing I watched this year. As far as a TV series. But for for Flanagan, Haunting of Hill House is still yeah. just maybe the scariest thing I've ever watched. Yeah, this is haunting and creepy. Haunting of Hill House is frightening. Yeah, like the 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 feeling in my body when watching that show. Every episode, I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm so mad right now. Um, Anna, <laughs> what did you think about the the five episodes you watched?
2: it was really good um the only thing i wish i knew going into it was it that there was some sort of trigger warning for the animal stuff just because i'm a huge animal lover um like i don't care if Mm -hmm. people die but you know animal cruelty kind of freaks me out so if you're interested in the show just go into it knowing the first two episodes are slightly shocking um but the characterization is really great. There's this one scene with uh, sheriff. I don't know if we ever figure out his first name. They just call him sheriff. Sheriff. Um, Yep. They played by Raul, who is one of my favorite actors (laughs) since his iZombie days. Mm -hmm. Love Robbie. Um, Which is really the main reason I'm actually watching the show. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Um, but there's this scene between him and another person who's a member of the church and his particular character is Muslim. And he and his son go to the mainland on Fridays and they're trying this other patron of the church is trying to get the sheriff to go on Sunday. Oh, well, you don't have to like take communion or anything. You can just go and do announcements. And it's really shocking because clearly he's outside of this faith and the fact that they're trying to make him more mainstreamed into the town culture is just quite frankly cruel right but it's conversations that happen pretty much in our regular lives on a daily basis um which sucks um and honestly shouldn't happen but that um and let me see what else was there Father Paul kind of weirds me out. I'm not like a huge <laughs> fan of him. I, he's really sus. I have my suspicions of Father Paul, but I'm not going to say them on the pod just because I don't want to potentially spoil it. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I just think it's a really interesting show. I mean, I I like Riley. I like Aaron. Pretty much everyone was perfectly cast on this show, like Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's one of those things where I'm not a huge horror fan, but I do want to keep watching. I, I need to see what happens, which is really interesting because I think limited series is going to be the new movie pretty much now yeah. because you're able yep. to really delve into the characters in these movies, but you don't have to commit to a show like Supernatural that has like 15 seasons, 22 episodes a season, right? That's a little bit daunting.
3: <laughs> Oof.
2: Yeah,
0: we're we're glad you watched it. Okay, we very yeah. much appreciate it, and that you're gonna that you're still what you got that far. Okay, um, cause yeah, you you do not do hard. You tell us this <laughs> anytime we mention anything scary. Um, so I, thank you.
1: I will say though, if you if you decide to power through and watch the last two, just because of two points you brought up, one with not knowing how you feel about Father Paul. I would say his arc is really well done in the last two episodes. And then of course the stuff with the sheriff, I don't know if it's, I don't remember if it's episode six or seven, but he has this really, really just fucking gutting, heartbreaking monologue about why he became a sheriff. Um, it's just great stuff. That's, Damon mentioned this, but that's Flanagan at his best. He just kind of, he knows his actors and he knows how good they are. So he's just like, yes, here's really great dialogue that I wrote, but now I'm just kind of, I'm going to let you work. And I, I love that this show is like, there is not a whole lot of like, camera movement in this show a lot of it is just still shots on people giving these monologues and i it it kind of threw me off the first time i watched the show about two episodes in, i was like wow there have been like three monologues in both of these episodes so it's a little much like uh, to start out with but then after a while i was like no these actors are so good i don't mind they're just kind of giving all of these fucking heat check performances in like one scene you know it's it's all just really great um but in terms of like the monologue stuff, like I said, the one that Kate Siegel, Siegel delivers at the end is like that has just stuck in my it's a long one. And I, I considered quoting it when I talked about this show, but it would take forever. Um, and I'm not Kate Siegel, so I can't deliver it like her. But it, it's it's. I would encourage I'm not going to tell everyone to go look it up because without the context of the show, it doesn't really hit the same way. Uh, but once, you know, kind of the history behind why she's saying it, it's really beautiful. Um, but Yeah, just a phenomenal season of television.
0: So good. Everyone watch it. Give it a shot. Um, watch everything Fl- Flanagan does. <laughs> and before we move on to the next pick, we're going to take our first quick break.
1: And we are back from break. We are talking about the best seasons of television from this year. Uh, we are back to Damon. So what is your sir? So not back to Damon? What is your first pick, sir?
0: Yes, since it could not be Midnight Mass, which was definitely my favorite. Uh, Season of TV I watched this year. I'm going to go with the other one that I am worried Kyle might get. I know how much he likes this one, and I very much love it. We both, like, straight up geeked out when the first episode (laughs) happened, because when I tell you this might be the best pilot ever, I'm not exaggerating because that's, like, in my opinion, the best pilot scene ever. It was the one of the most shocking things of, like, to do this in an episode is just absurd. But, uh, I mean, Invincible. We're, we're following our boy, Mark Grayson, okay? Teenager, um, you know, just normal, other than being the son of uh, the strongest man on Earth, Omni-Man, okay? He's a superhero. This is essentially like a, a DC Marvel conglomerate, like, parody satirical world paying homage to to everything superhero and mark is essentially the son of superman and he gets his powers and he pretty much dives headfirst into being a superhero so we are watching the the origin story of of invincible as he names himself um which is one of my favorite running gags of the whole series um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they the title card of the whole of the series, you know, Invincible, they don't drop it until someone says invincible in the episode. It could be anywhere from a minute to like I think the longest one they waited was like eight or nine. Yeah. It was like I was like, forever. what is going on? <laughs> and they finally said, oh yeah, he's in, he's, and they never say it. They just it. flash the card. Yeah. Uh, it's like bloody, more bloody and like torn up every episode, much like Mark. I was going to say he gets
1: less and less invincible throughout <laughs> the season.
0: Such an ironic name for the kid. Um, I mean, but you know, he's told about, you know, I don't believe any of this is spoilers. This is very general knowledge for the show. Mm-hmm. Omni-Man is from a planet far away and, you know, went to Earth to protect it. Um, And so he's just being trained. And all these episodes are essentially the beginning of Mark's like year one. Okay, this is him training and learning how to be superhero. And we get to see all the ups and downs of it. But this isn't your normal superhero garb. This is (laughs) one of the most violent and brutal shows I've ever watched. Like, bones breaking, blood everywhere, guts. Like, you see it all vividly and very clear. Like, they don't pull any punches. Especially Omni-Man. He, d- he doesn't <laughs> pull any. Um, especially in that first episode. Um, but, like, I don't want to say too much about all, what like, the details. But, I mean, the cast, you know, you have Mark trying to have a relationship with Amber. And you get essentially him being playing the Spider-Man role of trying to live two lives. And you get a lot of fun stuff with that. Um, And then just, you know, the whole father-son dynamic. And then, of course, I'm going to say what happens in the first episode. I mean, I think everyone knows what happens. He, Omni-Man, destroys the entire Guardians of the Globe. Like, just takes them all out. And so you you find like you don't know what the hell's happening from there. Is Omni Man bad? Like, what is he doing? And so, just to you know have that hanging over the whole season, and also just promising you that like you don't know what's going to happen, every it's just going to be very unexpected. They lived up to that. Like, I almost drafted episode five of Invincible last week, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, that one hurt. I thought the fight scene at the end of that one with him and the new guardians Ooh. against the crew of baddies and like um Beastar, mm-hmm. like just essentially like an intergalactic like lion who <laughs> like just destroys people for fun. Yeah. Was so badass. It, the it, fighting is super violent and so great, but like it's just a fun story. You're just enthralled. You want to see Mark succeed. You, and not to mention the fact that the voice ca- cast is stacked. Mm-hmm. You have Sandra Oh, you have J.K. Simmons, Steven Yeun, uh, Clancy Brown. You have so many people that are just doing their thing. Justin Roiland, um, Zachary Quinto. Seth Rogan, who is of course producing the show.
1: Um I was gonna say it's a testament to how big the voice cast is when like names like Seth Rogan and John Ham are playing like bit parts that are like barely in the show, you know, and they're still great, but it's like it just keeps going. I mean, there's just so many names attached to it.
0: And like the first season, like you kind of get like the stereotypical episodes, you know, you're just kind of getting Mark learning meeting different people, like Adam Eve's one of my favorite characters, voiced by Jillian uh, Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Great, great cast, really. Um, Jason Manzucas is hilarious.
1: <laughs>
2: Mark <laughs> Hamill. Mark yep. Hamill.
1: A- Mark yes. Hamill. Yes. Also t- another really small role, but a really good role. Very, Play, very, very playing good a
2: role. a freaking super Hero suit Taylor.
1: He's Edna mode. <laughs> mode. He's basically Edna Mode. Yeah, he's
2: literally like a really crappy version of Edna Mode, but still really great character. If that makes sense, nobody yes. can measure up to Edna.
0: That's true. And then I mean, just the what everyone talks about—the season finale, which is just a dad teaching good old lesson to his son, and just beating the fuck out of him. <laughs> It's it's just a sight to behold. Like you have to see that scene to just be like, "Wow." Like yeah. everything though, from the like think mark think mm. line, which got memed to death, to the whole train <laughs> and everyone dying and just it leaves us with like, "What's going on from here?" Like what is going to happen in season 2? They like, set the bar so high and like from what I've read because I'm trying not to have any spoilers, they have so much more to do, so much to offer. Like, this was the very beginning, the setup, and it was so good. It really, really was. It got me very, very excited for this new world of superheroes. Sign me up. I loved Invincible. That's my pick. Um, Kyle, what you think?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I'm, just, I'm sad you couldn't get Midnight Mass, but you got my number two, so Invincible was definitely my number two. Uh, yeah, everything you said, man. I, I So I... Didn't watch this right when it came out, but it was like maybe two or, two or three weeks later That's I got crazy. the the vaccine. So I was home and, you know, it felt like death. Uh, so I just binge this entire show. And my God, the, probably the biggest thing, I mean, there's so many things to be impressed by, and you touched on a lot of them. But the biggest thing I was impressed by is how quickly in this first season they like sell you on the world like it's not just about mark and about omni-man that's the kind of the emotional core of the story but they do such a good job of like building the the city that they're in and like all of these like gangs that exist and other superhero teams and and like this government agency that is uh present in the first season it's just like it feels so well realized and of course i haven't read you know, the comics and this and the boys, typically I dive right in and read the source material, but this and the boys are the two shows where I'm not, I don't want to read because I, I want to not know what's coming. Um, uh, of course the same creator. Um, I fucking love the boys, but man, I think this is probably over that for me. Cause it's just one of the best first seasons of television I've ever seen. Um, and like you said, with that pilot, they set the bar incredibly high with that pilot and then somehow managed to like, meet that level with basically every episode. I mean, even the ones that I see a lot of people who don't like the college episode, and that's one of my favorites. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a fun filler episode, which is what you need when the show is so fucking heavy in the rest of the season. Um, And of course, that's another great voice role with uh, Andrew Rannell as his best friend. So good. Yeah. Just such a great cast. And like I said, I just love the world building and Mark is just such an immediately, likable protagonist, like you mentioned the Spider-Man comparison and he really is he's like he's just a a Spider-Man type character he he's new to being a superhero but he clearly was born to be one because he immediately just wants to protect people and like do good. And it's such a cool contrast because like that's kind of what you think his dad is like. And then as the season progresses, you're like, oh, oh shit, this is not good. <laughs> uh I've I've really liked I said this on our episodes draft, um, but I've really liked the last couple of years with these shows that have kind of deconstructed like what superheroes are and like what they represent and like especially the Superman archetype, you know, like with the boys and Homelander and now with this and Omni Man, like it's just not and I'm a huge Superman fan, so I like I I love the contrast and I love that this is like this is basically what Superman would be if he were if he didn't have a moral compass. You know, um, yeah, it's just it's played so well and also incredible music cues like the Run the Jewels drops in these episodes. So fucking good. Um Yeah, I was just I was so impressed by this first season. Just incredible stuff.
0: Broken boy dropping when he's just flying through the air. Yes.
4: (laughs) Anna, were you a fan?
2: Wow. So as on brand as always, you guys draft horror and animated shows, which are (laughs) literally the two genres that I just don't really mess with. Animation all day. But once again, YouTube bullied me into watching it. And I gotta say, for an animated show, it was pretty impressive. I actually finished this one. Um, I really enjoyed the cast. It was a really interesting storyline. I mean, you have... The only thing that threw me off, though, was the concept of J.K. and Sandra being married. Just, it really just threw me for a loop. Because I really feel like Sandra could do so much better than J.K. <laughs> not that jk is like a bad person but um that was the only thing that sort of made it a little bit jarring for me in order to delve into the the whole invincible world but yeah i i mean jason's character was really great Rex rexplode <laughs> it's the perfect amount of douche but like he's still likable even though he um he and duplicate were like kind of a thing and you just really get sucked into the drama but I'm one of those people that really gets more invested in the side characters and the main characters. I don't know. It's just like a weird thing I have. Um, So I wasn't a huge fan of Mark and the Grayson's, but I loved all the side characters. Like I loved Adam Eve. I loved um, what was it? Like monster girl was really cool. Robot. Amber's way out of Mark's league. Um, Loved Art Rosenbaum. The Mauler twins were a really great storyline that I enjoyed. Oh yeah. Yeah, Um, and Steve, played by John Hamm. (laughs) I really want to know how they got John on that show. Like, did somebody just call him and say, hey, we need you to do this thing? Or (laughs) or did he ask to be on it? I just, I have a lot of questions.
0: How did they get anybody?
1: Like, literally,
0: like, I feel like they were able to get anyone they wanted.
1: I feel like it's probably Seth Rogen. I mean, he has all of these connections.
0: Does anyone not like Seth Rogen? I feel like people just seem to be his friend in Hollywood like i've never heard of you know he he had to get rid of a uh, Jamie F but uh you know <laughs> you know i i've never heard a bad thing about Seth you know yeah. it seems like they want to do work with them so i you, you know i i feel like we're going to get more and more good voices like i mean i got to say the the villains were really cool and inventive and different what we were right. getting you know for season 1 um what was his name titan uh yep like he was essentially just made out of like concrete cement that was really cool and he was a very interesting character can't wait to see more of him um
2: yeah he had thing and like luke cage kind of vibes which i was kind of into yes
0: yeah. the mauler twins are so fun and exciting like i just like I, i have no idea what they're going to do there's so much to explore and like they set up like an infinite amount of things that they could go in any directions. And I feel like they're going to go all of them at some point. So like, I mean, just strap me in. I'm ready for the ride. Um, yeah.
1: It's also, I know Anna mentioned she's in like animated shows, but I, Damon, when you talked about how brutal it is, like, I feel like that was the only way they could get away with that. Cause imagine some of the shit that happens in this show live action. I don't even think I would be able to like take some of that. Like, it's just
0: couldn't be a live action. Like the boys are like, I guess,
1: close ish. That's the threshold. Yeah, because it's not Uh, like I mean, Game of Thrones is a pretty violent show, but that's kind of different because it's not it's like spaced out. I mean, for every. Beheadings, you get two pairs of tits in between. So like, you know, like. (laughs) uh,
0: Softens the blow
1: exactly literally um yeah yikes uh but invincible you know it just like if that were live action i don't even know if i because i'm i'm fine with gore like whatever but i don't even though i don't even think i would be able to watch it like it's just some of that stuff is fucking brutal
0: and of course like some people won't watch it for that reason alone some people can't handle it and like i get it you know it's just Mm -hmm. but i just feel like it's it's a very very like aware decision like they want it to be to show you just how much violence these people actually would cause like that's one of my favorite parts of Invincible the whole like oh it was always funny when Spider-Man like wakes up and is like oh my god I'm super strong I broke the sink and oh my god I can't handle my strength that's funny and then Mark he can't handle his strength he breaks a woman's leg he's trying to say (laughs) like
2: He's like, oops, I'm sorry.
0: It's like that's what would ha- like that's what's happening. Like everything they do is like they probably have to think about and make sure that they're not going to hurt somebody because they can everything they do. Um, I just thought that was a really cool touch, and and I hope we get a lot of more little things like that, like just subverting the the superhero genre and like showing like maybe what actually maybe would happen and go down in that situation. Uh, I just those touches are are so great. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So
2: violent. Um, (laughs) Oh. And that's the opener for this episode. So violent. So
0: violent. Um all right. So that's my first pick. And we're gonna roll to my second one. Um, well, if you don't like violence, you're not going to like this second pick. Um I'm just going real real violent so far, guys. Um this one's Another very well-known show, maybe the most well-known show of the year, the viral sensation Squid Game. Um, it was literally everywhere. You couldn't escape it. Um, like if you didn't want to watch it, well, you were just gonna hear about it everywhere. <laughs> like no matter what, it was there. Um, like I said before on the uh, episodes draft, like I I got into it like maybe on like the second wave. Like people people had already started watching it and started talking about it. But before it, like it was everywhere. I just I jumped in. And then it seemed like as I was watching, it just started spreading more and more. But for good reason. I mean, this show is essentially it's a survival drama, uh, South Korean survival drama. You follow Jihoon, who is essentially a gambling addict. Um, who who really wants to do right by his daughter, but he just he he can't keep a buck. He he can't do anything but gamble it away, and he's pretty much on the verge of being murdered by all of his bookies that are trying to come and collect. Um randomly or not so randomly, he runs into the stranger who offers to play a game for his money on the subway. Uh, this leads to an offer to go play a set of games for a chance to win a lot of money, game like life-changing money. Jihoon thinking he has nothing better to, you know, what what could he lose? He's about to die um he goes and he you know he's put into this really weird room with a bunch of other people and then they're let out to play a fun super super fun game of red light green light and from there we learn as you know you learn very quickly in the trailers that was shown if you don't win you die um and so this is essentially a bunch of people in debt and with their lives going nowhere trying to survive in a game of death playing kids games it is such an absurd setting and premise and also could easily happen in real life i'd be surprised if it wasn't happening right now um because people with money will pay for anything it seems especially people in danger um so this setup is just it's brutal and very violent and then it's sugar-coated with these awesome really fun kid games and bright colors everywhere. The track suits, super neon pink, and it's all rolled into one with really fun, very happy, like children's music playing the whole time. Very catchy. And then you're seeing people just get popped left and right. Just, just for, for losing a game. It's just really brutal, but fun. You, like you couldn't turn away from it. Um, I don't know. I, I just couldn't stop watching it. It, it's a very much an allegory on, you know, the capitalism and society and just how sis, it, the system, it's systematically built for people to fail and not be able to get out of debt. And it just it, it shows you how people just anyone can get, you know, in that situation. And we meet a lot of people fighting in these games. You have ji Um, You also have. Let's see. Where is that? Um woo a former classmate of his. Uh, Sibyak, a North Korean defector trying to get her family across the border. Uh, Jun-ho, Jun-ho, the policeman trying to find his missing brother who is connected to the games. That was one of my favorite characters and storylines. Um, I just thought it was just gripping, really shot really, really well, and it had you invested in the characters and you wanted to see them succeed in the games And I was just like, what's, what game's next? I I wanted to like predict what the game was and what was going to happen. And then you get to episode six and it's just gut wrenching and it just keeps going after that. And the fact that we're getting a season two is awesome because I want to see what's going to happen after, like what happened before. There's a lot of history and future tied to the squid games and, it's ripe with a lot of stuff that they could go on with. I just thought it was really well done, and there was a reason why it was such a big hit. So, Squid Game season one. Kyle, do you like it?
1: Uh, yeah. So, same as when we did the episodes episode two weeks ago. Still haven't seen past uh, episode two. That's right. Yeah, I, you haven't gotten any farther. Yeah, I um, I don't know what it is. I mean, I I know it's a very anxious show but like I just yeah something about it also like we did that episode and I was like alright I'm just going to power through it because you know I gotta understand these references and and it is a good show if I've seen so like the first two episodes are really good and I was just getting ready to get into it and then like the Christmas season was really hitting and then Christmas anxiety is just a whole other thing so I was just like I can't I, I want to be like in a you know not in a less anxious mood when I watch this show um, I'm definitely going to get to it certainly before season two, hopefully way before then. Um, But like I said, the first two episodes I really did like, they just made me (laughs) fucking anxious.
0: (laughs) That's very fair. Anna, your thoughts on Squid Game?
2: So in a shocking twist of events, I actually finished the season of TV and Kyle did not, which is just flabbergasting (laughs) to me. Um, I'm kind of with Kyle on this one. I... Think the premise of the show is really cool, but there is something about it that made it really difficult for me to power through and finish it. It is like really fantastically written, definitely worth the watch um getting through, especially when you get towards the finale and then you see how it's set up potentially for season two, which is great. And just seeing how they integrate the concept of childishness and Concept of capitalism and they try to merge them together and make it super dark is fantastic. Um, I have a question for you though, Damon. What was your favorite game?
0: Like as far as narrative wise, or just the game as a game?
2: The games that they actually played.
0: Like as like my favorite game in terms
2: of ag- in terms of execution.
0: Oh, okay. Like what happened in the show? Yep. I loved the tug of war. I, and I think, like, Kyle, if you ever get to, I think that's like episode four. Okay. It's so exciting. And, like, you're like, how the, he- like, how is anyone going to be able to do this? Right. Especially when you see, like, what situation June is put in for that episode. That was, that was, yeah, that was really great. I, I love that scene. What was
2: yours? So. I'm going to say this is uh, kind of dark, but I kind of liked the Marvel game. Only I mean, that the, was my
1: favorite episode. So. Oh, that one. Okay.
2: Just because everyone was able to interpret it differently. Right? Like you have the, the couple that just decide to the girls that are like, okay, we're just going to do like a one-off. We're not going to do like the back and forth crap. Uh, you have people... That do the back and forth game you have someone who you know plays really dirty in this game so really it's sort of every man for or every player for themselves and you really see how desperate these people can be when their lives are on the line right um i think one of the the later games with uh player 17 i'm not gonna say it because i don't want to ruin it for kyle but you know, with, with the glass, I think that one was a little like, Oh, we just happened to have player 17 who had this specific background, which I was like, that's a, that's a little niche. I don't know <laughs> realistically if that would happen in real life. So episode seven, I kind of had a little bit of a problem with, but everything else was, was great. And I think just seeing how they're potentially setting up to expand this narrative, potentially somewhere else in the world is interesting.
4: That's
0: fair. I would I would argue and say that I feel like there would be a high chance of someone being, like, exceptionally skilled towards one of the games for some reason. Like, I feel like that would have to happen at some point. Like, it's bound to happen. So, right. I, but it's... I don't see it being that, that hard to see.
1: But that's I, don't fair. I don't know the context, but it sounds like the same... Uh, as like the game makers in the Hunger Games doing something really unfair for the players like that makes sense attracts assholes who were in charge of a game of course they're going to tilt it against their odds you know oh
0: always
2: right but it's just in in 2021 again I don't want to spoil it for you Kyle but this is like a very specific trade Uh, so just the odds of this happening and having someone who's just very skilled and said oh I worked I think it was like what, 15 or 20 years or something in this particular field. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what it is to, I don't know. It, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, which I get they had to do in order to move the story forward. Cause otherwise realistically it just wasn't going to work. <laughs>
0: yep. You gotta, you always gotta figure out a reason to get the people you want alive to be to that point. So, you know, it's not always going to make the most sense, but, uh, I I just, I loved Squid Game more so than anything, just the emotional pull that it had for me. It just, it made me care, and I wanted to keep watching to see what was going to happen to these people. I was rooting for Jihoon, even though he was a a bit of an idiot, and, you know, and just, like, he, you know, you saw how, you know, shitty of of a father he was in episode one, and you're you're like, this guy's supposed to be our main guy? And then you really, like, see... Like, these people in these situations, it kind of really shows who they are. Like, what are they willing to do? And what are they not willing to do? Are they willing to sell all of their values and ethics and morality just to get out of this situation for a better life? You know, and it's it's a great question to ask. I I love stuff like that, that shows people just who they are when their back, back is up against the wall. And their backs are per- very much up against the wall in this series. So, yep, Squid Game season one. I'm I'm so excited for season two. That's my second pick. And let's let's keep on moving along to Kyle for his second pick. Before that, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, we're back and we're just drafting the best TV seasons of 2021. Back around to Kyle for his second pick. What are you thinking, man?
2: There's too much fucking shit on me there's too much fucking shit on me i can't breathe
1: <laughs> Damon, do you know what that is i can't no tell. i
2: don't <laughs> but i'm here for the giggle uh
1: so i think you should leave season two is Oh my god okay fucking bananas um I'm so excited to talk about this. I wasn't sure if I was going to draft it, but with Ted Lasso and uh, an Invincible off the board, I'm glad I can I can go to it. Uh, so first of all, if you haven't seen the show, take this as my recommendation for what is probably I know it's only two seasons in, what is probably my favorite my new favorite sketch comedy show. Uh, and that's just because of the really like specific sense of humor. It's one of those things where like. You either find the things in this show funny or you're sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, It's a very so uh, Tim Robinson is a former SNL writer slash cast member. Um, I was a big fan of his run on SNL. He was one of the minor cast members, but always really loved his offbeat kind of sense of humor. He left that show and wrote created his own uh, sketch comedy show. Uh, It's called I think you should leave um, season one, I think, came out last year or the year before. Um, I think it was 2020. Uh, So very recent. Um, First of all, really easy watch. Both seasons are, I think, like six or seven episodes. And each episode is like 17 minutes, like at, at the most. Um, so really easy to power through. I watch it all the time because of that reason, because it's so easily digestible and also because that's my, again, my sense of humor. Um, so yeah, it's really hard to describe this show's sense of humor. Uh, I've always like, so when I recommend this show to people, they ask me like, like, send me a, a sketch to see if I'll like it. And I'm like, I have no clue what to send you because they're also, there's no, <laughs> so there's good. no normal sketch from this show. <laughs> I usually send the one that like everyone has seen the uh, focus group for the car in the in season one because, you know, breakout star like the guy. I forgot his name, but the guy in that in that uh, sketch. Um, but the one I just pulled the clip from is like my favorite from season two. I think it's in the first episode. It's just so difficult to describe other than like it really if you like shows like the Eric Andre show or the Tim and Eric show, then you kind of that's kind of the vibe very like a uh, fever dream esque, very like every sketch kind of takes this weird left turn, usually a dark turn. And then they just kind of commit to that bit. And it just becomes an entirely different sketch. Um, I mentioned Tim, but there's also, I mean, Sam Richardson is in most episodes and he is just a fucking delight. You probably, you would know him from Ted Lasso um, as a bit of a dick in that show. But uh You've also got Will Forte showing up in a couple episodes, Vanessa Bayer, like a lot of uh, SNL alum who I'm sure you know are close with Tim Tim Robinson. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. I I'm kind of frustrated because I drafted it, but I I can't really say much because again, it's just difficult to describe such short episodes until you've like seen the sketches. But there is a a sketch. Again, like, describing them just makes me sound like a fucking lunatic, but there's, like, a sketch where uh, these friends go out to eat with one of their former college professors. (laughs) (laughs) It might be my favorite. He, like, doesn't like the the meal he orders, and so while they're trying to have this serious conversation... tries to have the serious conversation he just keeps (laughs) trying to steal i can't i can't he keeps trying to steal one of the students food and it doesn't sound like it's that funny but it's just the lunacy of all these actors i don't even know the guy's name who plays the professor but he's so fucking good and just everyone in this also i love the in season one like the baby competition sketch uh, it's all just fucking gold. I just I encourage everyone to check it out. Again, it's one of those things where it's if it is your sense of humor, you will lose your fucking mind for it. And if you don't like those type of like Eric Andre type sketches, it'll probably be not for you, which I totally understand. But because that's like my exact brand and sense of humor, I remember watching this on Netflix. It's an, it's a Netflix original and being like, holy fuck, Tim Robinson is my spirit animal. Like I just want to meet this man uh so yeah and also fucking banging theme song it's it's so catchy can't
2: say spirit animal kyle
1: oh thank you yes thank you for that catch uh yes uh i feel very kindred, kindred spirit kindred to to tim robinson um i would love to meet him and just pick his brain on how he writes these sketches because they are just fucking ridiculous um so yeah so that's my recommendation because i don't know a whole lot of people who have seen this show But it seems like a lot of people who have are really fucking into it, which makes me happy that they're probably going to get more seasons because they seem really easy to produce. Like I said, they're like really short seasons, very short episodes. Um, So I'm I'm all in on the I think you should leave train.
0: Anna, have you seen any of these skits or any of this show at all?
2: I didn't even know this show existed, so no, but clearly I have a new show I'm going to have to watch after this.
0: So you haven't gotten any of the jokes we've made about it. Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> when we talk about sloppy steaks, this is the show we're referencing. We aren't
2: oh, it, I used to be a real okay. piece of
0: shit. <laughs> I used to be a real piece of shit. Slick back okay, hair.
2: So, so wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait
0: uh, okay. Oh my god. This show. Like
2: i I enjoy comedy shows, but the fact that you two bullied me into a horror show and an animated show and not the comedy show, <laughs> I'm one. so upset with you two.
1: I didn't bully. I quit anything. this
2: episode. I'm leaving.
1: Well, Anna, if Grass you listen no, to no, the podcast kidding. Planet Fantasy, it was one of my wrecks of the week forever ago, so.
2: Yeah, you're also assuming that I have the attention span of more than 10 minutes, so <laughs> there enough. is that. Fair enough. I'm not like I mean, sitting, listening to Planet Fantasy, taking copious notes, being like, oh, I need you to listen to this. I listen to it while I'm at work, and I'm like, yeah, Kyle and Damon, awesome. <laughs>
0: Just have us at work. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I, I made a list of the sketch rankings when I was watching season two. I need to do that. I guess for this moment right here, but a pants dot com definitely my number one. Just just a skit that starts about this this guy at work just saying like, hey, I got these uh, pants that have a uh, have pea stains on them already. So if you you know if you get a little dribble, no one will notice. They're already there. But hey, then you can say, hey, these are on. The- <laughs> These are on the pants though, <laughs> and then it just it. That's that's the beginning. That's like the tip it's of the like iceberg because it gets fucking. <laughs> just the <a> tip. <laughs> just ah. <tip. laughs> just and, and then okay, I got coffin flop from episode one. So good. Of course, used to be a piece of shit is just amazing. The hat on trial episode. He's like, he's just he's this dude in this uh. They're having a trial, right? And he's this dude in the crowd. He's just a a dude. And he has this just terrible hat. Hot dog sleeve. from Also from episode one. So good. Credit card roulette. Car brevet. Scott loves his wife. Blues Brothers dancing. Hot dog
2: sleeve sounds like the name of like a really bad porno. Like
0: really it's bad. This is this dude that really wants to eat. But they have to go to a meeting before... So he he's trying to eat a hot dog up his sleeve during the meeting. It's fantastic. Um, I mean,
2: are there condiments on the hot dog? I have a lot of questions here.
0: But yeah, that oh, I'm gosh. so glad you picked that show. It, it's it truly is maybe the most absurd sketch show because every single one can could be like super simple and then it just goes in a direction you're like, what? What are they doing? <laughs> Not trying to ruin
1: anyone's day. Not trying to give anyone the worst day at their job. Oh,
3: my (laughs) God. I think you broke, Kyle.
0: This is so good. This is such a good TV show. And Uh, somehow I forgot to put that on my list. So My bad. I watched 42 uh, TV seasons this year.
4: Oh, my God. Jesus
1: Christ. It's okay to not count that because it's so short. It's like, I watched it's, a YouTube it, video, not a show. It's not yet. <laughs> it's, it's very short. You could watch, Anna, you
0: could watch both seasons in like an hour. Yeah. Not really, but like pretty close. It's close.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so glad you did that. <laughs> I'm so glad we got to talk about Tim Robinson. Oh, man. Love Anna, that, man. you gave us Ted Lasso for the first overall pick. Now we're back to you. What's your second?
2: Well, apparently I just had like a giant fever dream when I was drafting my short list. Um, because for some reason I thought the boys season two was in twenty twenty one and then I just double checked <laughs> it and it was definitely twenty twenty. So so I'm about to get really chaotic towards the end of my my uh my
1: list here. But
2: I am actually gonna draft The Witcher season two. Um I don't know if you guys finished it yet.
1: I haven't even started it.
0: I haven't started
2: so for those listening i actually asked damon and kyle (laughs) when they were like oh when are we going to schedule the episode i'm like can we schedule it after december 17th and they're like you want to draft witcher don't you i was like i don't know i haven't seen it yet it could be terrible i definitely wanted to draft it that was like the sole reasoning (laughs) why this episode is so late um Honestly, I loved season one, but I think season two is even better. And Henry Cavill does not really take a shirt off in this season. So the fact that Yo, I think it's better the than season point? one. <laughs> I mean, the armor is pretty hot. I'm not going to lie. Like the emo armor that he dons, it's it's fantastic. Um, yeah, with the exception, we, we lose a very important character in season two. I'm not going to say who it is, but, you know, series eyebrows. Our game is on point, you know, Geralt was like teaching her some makeup tricks. So now she's got more confidence in herself. Um, You can actually see her eyebrows now. You know, we're really getting into seeing what other witchers are there. Uh, Triss comes back. So you get to hang out with Triss a little bit more. You know, you just, it's a really interesting story because at the end of season one, Yasker and Geralt, go really their separate ways, right? And they're best bros. So the fact that most of season two, they're not really together. You see basically this really weird family across the continent and what they're doing and how their stories are really converging. Like they're ready to be together, but it's not something that's a hundred percent and you really get to really delve into their characters a lot more. We do get another banger of a song other than uh, Toss a Coin to your Witcher, which I'm not going to spoil it for you because it's pretty much all the lyrics to the song. Um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. Like, the graphics were great. The actress who plays Siri really grew up a little bit and I think she adapted to the character a lot more. And yeah, it, it was fantastic. I wound up watching it two and a half times, you know, when I should have been watching Midnight Mass. I was like, no, I'm going to watch Witcher again. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it.
0: All right. Um, well, like I said, I have not watched season two yet. Um, I just, I'm very conflicted still about my feelings on season one because I very much wanted to like it. Um, and many scenes in it I liked, I did. But I just felt like the execution of season one was so unnecessarily convoluted and confusing. And like, I mean, it's not like I'm, I can follow stories in like 12 monkeys is a show about time travel and it gets weird in a lot of shows, but like this one, it's just, I felt like I was like, where am I? I continuously kept having to ask myself, where am I?
3: Yeah,
0: And it just became a chore and I just started becoming not like, I didn't feel connected to anybody at the end of it. I, I really didn't. I remember like getting to the last episode, I was like, well, it was all right is what, how I felt. And I mean, that's i wanted to like it so much more and i feel like maybe on a rewatch maybe i will connect cuz i i won't have to pay so much attention to the story and where it's moving and what time it is and what's going on um so i think I'll, i'm maybe soon in the next month or so i'm going to do a rewatch of season 1 and and then do season 2 but yeah that that's it's I'm just hoping a rewatch will definitely serve me better. So, Kyle, your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I've I've also not started season two. Um, I I liked season one. I I can understand where you're coming from with how convoluted it gets. Um, but I I have never read the books, but I'm a huge fan of the the games. Um have long loved those games. So when I heard you know the show was coming out, first of all, just Henry Cavill as Geralt is like fucking inspired casting I, as soon as i heard that i was in for the show and also just like we need to appreciate henry cavill as he's just like an absolute nerd i, I love how much of a nerd he is on top of being a great actor and an absolute smoke show um yeah but
2: he and joe magniello might be toss-up for king of the nerds right not gonna lie
1: oh absolutely
0: <laughs> we need joe and highlander
1: yes yes we do <laughs> Except that makes me sad because there truly can be only one. Uh, but you know, I would love that. Um, yeah, so I, I like season one quite a bit. I I wasn't super lost, but I I would need to rewatch it before season two because I'm very fuzzy on the details of season one. Um, but I remember really enjoying it. I it wasn't I didn't watch it as soon as it dropped, so all of the hype had kind of died down. And I was like, "Oh yeah, this show is actually as good as people say." I need to stop being a contrarian about things. Um, yeah, so I, I'm very curious and excited for season two. And now hearing, you know, Anna saying it's it's just as good, if not better, than season one. That's you know, it's exciting. Um, I, I do like. I'm I'm glad that you know when Game of Thrones ended, there was a question of like, what's going to be the new like big fantasy series and maybe it's not the Witcher, maybe it's not you know will of time but like i'm glad all these shows are really going for it and like trying to be you know the new big fantasy series um i really like will of time it's probably i'm not probably not gonna interrupt it but it is a really impressive first season and i, I just I enjoy i mean the fantasy genre i fucking love so i'm i'm here for all the attempts even if they're not great i'm just always in for new fantasy stuff um
2: all so the witcher the attempts, kyle all of the attempts.
1: Well, we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> I only count those shows as fantasy. Um, But yeah, it, it, I, I did like season one quite a bit, and I'm excited to, I'm probably going to rewatch it, but to finally get to season two.
0: Yeah, fantasy is my favorite genre. So, I mean, I don't care if we never get another Game of Thrones. I don't. The fact that we're getting this amount of fantasy on TV makes me so happy. <laughs> I don't care if I don't like it all. Like there's there's going to be ones I do like, and that's the awesome part of this massive nerd takeover is that we're getting more shows that that we can like. It's not like 500 Law and Orders and 500 crime shows. Give me all the 500 right. fantasy shows, baby. Give me all of it. That way we can have crappy fantasy shows it and it not matter. Because they're still going to make more. That's what I'm I'm excited for for this era. Yeah. Uh, yep.
2: We have the technology now. It's not like it was back in the old days. We
1: can
0: rebuild him. <laughs> <laughs> we have the technology. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is a very Anna draft for yep. you. I very much like it. Are you
4: staying on brand for pick three?
2: Mm. I am, but not in the way that you think. Like knee jerk, chaotically, I kind of wanted to take Wheel of Time off the table, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to diversify my portfolio. I am going to pick Martin Palooza, aka Only Murders in the Building.
1: Oh, nice.
2: And I'll tell you why. Um, So, one, it's very well written right? Like there's a lot of quippy one-liners, you have Selena Gomez, you have Martin Short, and you have Steve Martin, right? So they're three very different people. But the main reason why I'm drafting this show is that it combines two of my favorite things, true crime, podcasts, right? And I grew up in a deaf household. So trying to explain my love of true crime podcasts to a deaf person was just a nightmare they're like you you listen to people talk about murdered there are like thousands of people that like listening to these they're like they thought I was making it up and then in the first episode you see the three main characters sitting at a table after um you know the the character gets killed and they're all just sitting there talking about the latest episode of this podcast that they're all into and that's how the three of us met right like we joined a facebook group of like a nerd podcast and you know we all just started talking and here we are on an episode drafting seasons of tv right so it was a way to visually show that concept to someone who might not necessarily know comprehend it and made it in a way that under they could understand which was great. it it was just fantastically written, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. The only thing that I had an issue with was episode seven, which was the deaf episode where they focus on the deaf character Theo. So it it was very realistic, but you know, being in a deaf family, my my we watched the opening scene and we all cringed. We were like, nope, nope, that should have come with a trigger warning. Um, I mean, they definitely. Made up for it, so I I wouldn't use that as a deterrent, but just going into that episode know that it might be a little shocking, but yeah it was fantastic. I loved it. It was a dark concept, but it was executed in a way that was lighthearted and there was a scene with two gentlemen about a plant podcast and I enjoyed that small little snippet so much. I actually Googled to see if the podcast was a real thing. I was like, (laughs) I know it's not, but it might be. And if it is, I'll totally listen to it. And it's not, unfortunately. (laughs)
0: Oh, Kyle, your your thoughts. And by the way, this wasn't that surprising with the amount of, like how much you talked about this. Not too shocked.
1: Uh, I still haven't gotten to it i this is a big one this is because i i have i've heard people just rave about this show and i love there's rare comedy duos that i love more than steve martin and martin short so adding selena gomez to that can only be a good thing um yeah i i'm really intrigued hashtag make more shows about podcasts uh show us the planet fantasy show please um i, I love that concept uh yeah i also love true crime podcast so i i don't know how i haven't gotten around to it yet but it was one that when it was coming out weekly i think i was probably just watching something else or rewatching something and then by the time it ended you know like the threads around it had kind of died down and i was like oh i'll get around to it eventually um but I'm, i'm very intrigued i like the idea of it being kind of a dark comedy um and i've already heard people talking about what they could do for season two so that's you know it's exciting
0: Yes, I still have not gotten around to it. It's one of the, the seasons I have not watched. I definitely heard you talk about it a lot, Anna. Um, there's just, I feel like it's just one I just haven't gotten to yet. Like, it's it's there, um, waiting for it. It's like, I'm not the biggest true, true crime fan, so it's not exactly in my wheelhouse, but with that cast, there's no reason not to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Selena it's... Gomez was like... I was very much a huge, huge crush on her uh, as a kid, you know, back in the day. So the fact that, you know, Martin Short and freaking Steve Martin, like The Jerk is one of my favorite comedies of all time. So, I mean, I I love their work. There's no reason why I haven't watched it yet other than I just haven't gotten around to it. And the fact that you love it that much to draft, it definitely makes me think it'll be watched sooner rather than later. So, um, yeah. Which is your favorite of the three? Which performance is the best, Anna? Uh,
2: You know, I... I have to say it's classic Martin Short. No matter what role he's in, he always plays the same character, but it's different every single time. And it is always insanely entertaining. So I got to go with Martin Short. It It was amazing.
0: Very nice. I love it. All right. That finishes Anna's turn. We were back around to Kyle for your third pick, man. What do you got for us? Hmm.
1: Okay, this is, yeah, this is fun. I did not I was sad about not getting you know Ted Lasso or Invincible, but this now gives me a chance to talk about like some of the TV I feel like people haven't watched this year. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with one uh it's second and final season aired in 2021 first season was in 2020 it's a netflix original uh comedy called well dramedy called uh feel good um this show was created by and stars may martin who is a canadian uh stand up comedian um they basically you can tell that they put a lot of their life into this show. Um, I don't know how close it is to their life, but there's a lot of lived experience in the show. The basic concept is that May plays the main character named May, who is a comedian, who meets uh, George, who is a uh, school teacher, um, in the first season. And the first season is basically about them falling in love, while May is also dealing with being a stand-up comedian and, like, some of their... Uh, substance abuse issues so that's kind of the more the draw part of the dramedy um but it certainly is a comedy as well i mean the stand-up is genuinely really really funny it made me seek out all of may's stand-up um and it's so if you've seen the show then you're gonna be thinking oh well this is very on brand because it basically is like a spiritual sequel to fleabag it's very much of that kind of like very funny but also just very very heartfelt and very real and authentic um, may is not always a very likable character uh, they're very complicated and they you know they mess up a lot and it's very much the first season at least is very much a story about their addiction and their their struggles with substance abuse and kind of how that affects this burgeoning blossoming love between them and and george um, and the romance between them and george is just fucking adorable i mean it's it's that's the heart of the show um but this season that aired Uh, in 2021 is really it's kind of the same thing as Fleabag like Fleabag season one is really great and very cutting and like funny and and dark but like season two is where the real heart shows up that's that's kind of how feel good as well Um, you get the weird continuing trend that I am not okay with of Anthony Head you know, guy who plays one of my ultimate comfort characters in all of television, Rupert Giles, playing just absolute pieces <laughs> of shit. Uh, Ted Lasso, fucking BBC's Merlin. Luther. Yep, Merlin. And now this he plays George's uh, dad, which I won't say, you know, much about kind of his arc in the show. My God, is he a piece of shit. Uh, and it was like a timed out that I was watching this season along with Ted Lasso. So I was like, I don't like how much I don't like Anthony Head right now. (laughs) Um, But it's just a testament to how good of an actor he is. Um, It's kind of like the Paul Rudd effect. Like he knows how to play anything, and he's just such a likable guy. Uh, But, yeah, season two is just really cool because it is – this is where I think kind of like the autobiographical aspects come in. Uh, May has been very vocal about the fact that they were writing this season kind of in the process of them – discovering and realizing that they identify as non-binary and that kind of works its way into season two in a really cool way it's it's done in a very i was curious to see how they would handle that and it's done with a very authentic edge and the way it the way george approaches it in their relationship is really sweet and she's like just the ultimate supportive partner um Yeah. So it's just it's one of those things where, like, if you like me are really into kind of those like those mixes of like comedy and drama, because there are some really, really fucking heartbreaking things in this show. But it's also really funny and it's just a really sweet romance between the two of them. Um, And you've also got some really great character actors playing just kind of smaller roles like uh, another iconic Phoebe. Um, Lisa Kudrow plays, uh, George, or sorry, uh, May's mother, which another thing where like, I love Lisa Kudrow in real life, not a big fan of her mom. Like she's a very complicated character. Um, but she plays it really, really well, especially in season two. Um, so it's just one of those things. It's just like, it's very Fleabag esque. And if you know that vibe, you know exactly the kind of show you're getting into. It's actually funny because it's the same length as fleabag it's two seasons six episodes for each season so it's kind of the same which i love i love that approach to a shorter kind of show because it doesn't overstay its welcome and it definitely tells the story it wants you know to tell um so i was sad that there wasn't more but i also was happy because the finale is a really great kind of end end to the the story between may and george and this is always a bonus the finale also features motion sickness by phoebe bridgers so of course i was like wow they're really just kind of going for my fucking jugular at this point um but yeah wow kyle
2: being in love with a show that has a phoebe bridger song well (laughs) on
1: this is brand new
2: (laughs) heaven forbid
1: this is brand new and
2: what have you done with kyle duran
1: information uh yeah of course. So, yeah, that now people who are going to be listening be like, oh, well, of course he loves it. But I don't I don't want that to detract from how good the actual show is. Like, even if it wasn't like geared towards me, it's <laughs> like I, that doesn't matter. It's a genuinely really good show. And I, I would recommend everyone check it out.
0: Nice. Um, I have not seen it. Uh, I heard you talking about it throughout, you know, when you were watching it and how much you liked it. Um, It sounds great. It definitely sounds like one that I we will have you know trouble watching just because of you know it sounds it sounds rough it sounds very emotional uh it sounds like a good watch uh i'll watch anything with anthony head in it he's fantastic and uh yeah sounds definitely sounds like a kyle show um so <laughs> i'm in to watch that for sure to see how it is anna have you watched it yet
2: i have not i didn't even know it existed so i'm definitely adding it to my short list of shows to watch it sounds really okay. interesting
0: Everyone add feel good to your to your list. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, that means we are back around to me uh, for my third pick. Let's see. Um, So this one was a very, very fun watch. I absolutely adored it. Uh, This was Sex Education Season 3, another Netflix show. Uh, It's a British comedy drama uh, it follows the students of Moordale Secondary School, who are all varying levels of horny. Um, we meet everyone <laughs> mostly through Otis Milbourne, uh, played by Asa Butterfield, mm-hmm. uh, who seems very knowledgeable in comparison to his uh, student, uh, his classmates. <laughs> mainly about, uh, in regards to to sex, mainly because his wa- his mom is a sex therapist, played by the amazing uh, Gillian Anderson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just essentially the show follows Otis. Uh, he's he's new to the school and he is, ends up starting a sex therapy clinic for his classmates, along with Maeve, who is a very fun, is labeled as a troublemaker by, by many people and the staff and everyone. And they're they're running this clinic together and it just goes from there. Um, that's the beginning of season one and season three. We've essentially met so many of these people, the students and the teachers and Otis and all of them. And essentially, we've just learned their lives. And it's really based around sex and the celebration of it. And it's just a very sex positive, positive show without being. It's overly sexualized. It it, it makes sex a very. True, authentic, real thing. It, It doesn't sugarcoat it it doesn't make it more or less than what it is. It's a, it's a very real thing that, you know, mostly everyone experiences, uh, you know, whether if you're, unless you're, you know, you're ace or something like that, which it touches on. It touches on a lot of different aspects. Uh, Your sexualities, uh, there's a pansexual character. Um, There's a non-binary character uh, that they introduced in season three. Very good storyline. It's just, they touched on these very poignant storylines in a very real way um with kids like and it's just they are very much kids at the same time their their performances are so good and it, it's just done in a very believable way like kids have sex it's it's just a fact and the way they show it is it's more so just showing you how it's another part and problem of life you know it's just like anything else you're going to have situations where it's you know comfortable or uncomfortable and everything about it. It's just, it's just really refreshing of a show. Never would have made something like this in America. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be this kind of show, but it's its just done in such a genuine, classy and also cheeky way
3: mm-hmm. that
0: only the Brits could do. <laughs> and I just, you're always finding yourself laughing and nodding along and just be like, uh, once again, uh, this is a show that I really wish I had when I was a teenager. You know, it's just, you're like i'm watching it it's like wow yeah i can relate to that 10, 15 years ago like damn um there's there's just so many great dynamics in the show uh you really meet everybody everyone's a real person like even like the popular clique they're all fleshed out and given good storylines and you meet them and just see who they are they they're still kids you know no one's tr- they're they're what they're doing is why they're being mean you see why and everything like that there's just a lot of great great stuff in this show and season three i thought elevated it and you get a lot of resolution to a lot of storylines that are introduced in the first two seasons you get a lot of new storylines popping up and interested interested to see how those go in the next season so i love this show and i I definitely recommend it so kyle your thoughts have you watched any of it
1: yeah i so Right as, like, season three was dropping, I had not seen the show, and I was like, I'm going to sit down and watch seasons one and two, and was just really impressed. Like, I I, I just – I love the idea and concept of this show. I agree. I love that it's a very, like, yes, sex positive, but it's it's a very just, like, yes, sex is a normal, natural thing of life. Like, it just treats it like a normal, natural thing of life, and, like, it just – it's not – like you, you said it perfectly. If it was an American show, it would be a, and I, Damon, I know you love Judd Apatow, so I'm not trying to talk down on them or anything. It would be a very Judd Apatow esque show, yes. like a very, like sex is the source of all the humor. Whereas with this, it's more just like sex is just part of life. Like that's just a normal, natural thing. Um, I was a big fan of as Butterfield before this show and man, he's just so good in this. I mean, he's such a likable protagonist. Um, I'm also convinced one of my biggest conspiracy theories is that Samara Weaving and uh, Emma Mackey, who plays Maeve, uh, are basically clones of Margot Robbie that Hollywood has engineered (laughs) because they all look like the same person. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just can't get over that. But she is also fucking great in this show. Um, Like you mentioned, I love Cal in season three and the way they were introduced. I I think that their arc is probably my favorite in season three. And yeah, it's just a show that is very like funny and authentic and kind of down to earth, but really powerful in moments too. Jillian is fucking great as his mom, as she is and everything we stand Jillian on this podcast. Um, Yeah, it's just a really I think the word is like refreshing. It's just a very refreshing take on you know, like the coming—we've all seen like coming-of-age stories about sex. Like American Pie kind of popularized it. There's tons of different takes on it, and I feel like this is the one that really captures the authenticity of it. Like it's very just genuine and true to life, and and all the awkward parts of that, but also all the just like the sincere and genuine parts of it too. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great great pick.
0: Thank you, Anna. Have you seen any of Sex Education?
2: I have not. It's actually on my short list of things to watch because, again, I came to Ted Lasso a little bit late and uh, Hannah from Ted Lasso is actually in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was one of the reasons I was actually looking into watching it. And then I found out Jason Isaacs was in season three. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I'm a very big Jason fan. So that sort of uh, put the nail in the metaphorical coffin for me. But, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. But. I am really looking forward to watching it. I've heard really nothing but good things about it. And yeah, I'm excited.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they tackle everything from sexual harassment to, like I said before, you know, non-binary and like parents expectations of children, like just so much coming of age stuff, not, not just about sex. And they just, they really get like the high school experience. uh, And it's also weird because it's like almost in like a timeless zone Like, Mm -hmm. they all wear really retro, like, 90s clothing, but they have cell phones and, like, stuff. So, it has that kind of weird feeling of, like, this could technically be anywhere in the last 30 years, really. Mm -hmm. Sort of. So, definitely recommend that one, Anna.
1: I think it's important to note, too, that, like, just touching on all the different things that they come at and address – It's important to note that gender identity is not necessarily linked to, you know, like sexual orientation or or sex in general. And I love that they make that differentiation, that it is just like sex is a part of life, you know, like gender is a spectrum. And they they just, like I said, is refreshing, just their take on all these different things are just very just natural, normal parts of life. And I I think, honestly, it's very important for kids who are the same age as the kids in the show to see this, because I'm sure that. I mean, with the last couple of years, we've gotten more shows that have made things like this very accessible. But I think this show is very important for kids who are experiencing their own journeys in in this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's if anything, it could be a bad show and still be important for that reason. You know,
0: if anything, watch it for the amazing cover that they have of their school choir yes. doing the teacher song. Fuck the pain away. Yeah, it's so good.
1: <laughs> so good
0: fantastic um yeah that's that's my third pick and we're gonna move right along to my very last pick beginning of the last round <sighs> Anna it's another animated one buckle in
2: <laughs> all right
0: I mean start watching we're talking about arcane
2: mm-hmm. I knew it <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean this show just kind of came out of nowhere like you know I heard about it dropping. It's like, oh, it's a League of Legends show. That's interesting. Like, I've watched friends play League of Legends since like 2012. Like, that's all I've ever known about it. I've watched my friends play, I'm like, this is, seems interesting. It's a MOBA game, and then they dropped this this uh, TV show, and like, you hear this, it's it, this chatter. It's starting to starting to build, and it it was already on my radar. It looked the trailer looked interesting the animation looked really sharp. So I dug in, and I'm so glad I did. I Knowing nothing about this world, honestly, probably plays almost to your benefit, because you, you know, apparently some of these characters, this is the origin story of several characters in the game. I didn't even know that. I was like, I didn't know if we were going to know any of these characters. But essentially, it's the story of two cities, Piltover, which is essentially the super-advanced... City above, uh, you know, has royalty and very, very much advanced. And then the undercity below, Zahn, which is like riddled with crime and drugs, forgotten about by the people above, pretty much. Um, And then so we see people from both. You essentially meet Vi, voiced by Haley Steinfeld, who just really had an amazing last two months. Just No kidding. (laughs) She did. Vi is amazing. Vi and her sister Powder, they are essentially orphans uh, from a rebel rebe- uh, from a rebellion. Their parents were uh, died trying to fight back, and they are now raised by essentially the leader of the rebellion, Vander, who runs a bar now. And they're a little older, and they're essentially just trying to survive. They, you know, essentially steal whatever they can to to make it. They do anything and we see them running missions and there's tension rising with their little crew uh, of of kids because her sister powder keeps jinxing the missions and then from there also we meet jace who is a student at piltover's academy he's this prodigy essentially and he brings up this whole idea of using magic to power their sources for everything and we meet these three people, and we find out that their their lives are intertwined in the future. And we jump, we essentially see two different time periods. Uh, we see them being that, and then we jump into the time about I'd say five six years later when they're a little bit more grown up. And you get this world that's just ravaged by Shimmer, which is essentially a drug made by Silco, a crime lord, who has a very important part to play in this story. And Shimmers essentially makes people hulk out, essentially, like they go rabid, they, they, you know, much stronger and faster, but they're addicted to this drug. So he's essentially has a, a stronghold on the underground now. And uh, Vi has been in jail for the last five, six years, uh, and she's pulled out to try to stop him. And we get the story of them as well as Jace trying to continue his uh, progress with magic and in science. I don't want to say too much because what makes this story so good is the story. It, it, it's told in such a fun, fascinating way. You really, I personally became invested by episode two. I wanted to know what was going to happen to these characters. And then as it happens and progresses, you learn more and more and you just, you're, you're worried, you're excited. You don't really know what's going to happen, and then the season finale sets up the next season, and you're just like, "Wow, what a fucking cliffhanger!" And like by then, you're just like, "I'm like, give me season two now." It was the story, it was the performances. You want like you want to see these characters be okay. You want to see Vi and Powder reconnect, and the whole story of Powder is paramount to this story i won't say much more about powder um and jace creating this magic essentially leads to like a new age and that essentially creates like the league of legends like battles apparently i don't know i I really don't know where this leads into the future and i'm so excited for it but some of the best fighting scenes i've seen this year in animation so well done really good music aside from the theme song i don't know why they went with imagine dragons just just skip Just skip the intro, and it'll be okay. It, like, that's the only downside of Arcane, is the whole Imagine Dragons
1: thing. But Please tell that, me it's radioactive. No, it's... I, was, okay. I
2: would like to point out on their Wikipedia page, um, it does say it's supporting Imagine Dragons as themselves. I think is like, the most pretentious thing ever.
0: Oh. But, I mean, I, I, I very much recommend this show... It's a new kind of lore. It's a new kind of vibe. It's very much like urban magic, urban fighting, all of it rolled into one with a really, really gripping story. Um, so, and I I just can't wait for season two. And that's always a good sign of me of how much I really like the first one. So, had to draft Arcane, had to give it some support.
1: Kyle, your thoughts? Have yeah, you started? Uh, I haven't. So, when, uh, when you drafted. You know the finale from this and also i uh, forget i think the penultimate episode from castlevania i went with castlevania because i had not seen either show um i'm really digging castlevania so far so i think i made the right choice but i think arcane looks really cool too i similarly you know knew basically nothing about the league of legends lore before hearing about this show um but it the animation looks fucking gorgeous. Uh, and I've just seen people like rave about that. I mean, what a win this year was for Netflix between Squid Game and Arcane because those really are like the two most talked about shows I've seen people talk about you know like this this year um but i'm I'm very intrigued and it seems like basically basically like universal praise for the finale like people seem to have really really loved that episode in particular um and i'm also looking at the voice cast like another maybe not on a level of invincible but like what a great voice cast you've got jason spizak who I fucking love as Wally West in uh, Young Justice. who's like one of my favorite animated characters ever. Um, and then, like you mentioned, I mean, Haley Steinfeld is like on the top of the world right now. Uh, we already knew she could do animated with you know Into the Spider Verse, but I yeah, that would be the selling point because I am because of Hawkeye, I'm just all in on anything she does at this point. And it seems she like she has she has like one of the most
0: popular gay relationships. This year in the show, yeah, just just, I—I throw it out there. If that's gonna sell, sell anyone, it's great stuff. Okay, it's—it's a really great like chemistry in the show for the. That's how to sell
1: me on a show. Just it's gay, and I'll watch it.
4: (laughs) Oh, all right.
0: That's that's my last pick. I, I wish you had started that one just because it is only one season to Castlevania, but I'm so excited you watch Castlevania. I was very, very close to drafting Castlevania. Hmm. It, it's just like since I've watched these more recent shows, it's dropped a little bit. As a whole, Castlevania was great. And that right. that honestly still might be the best episode of TV I've watched this year was the endings for Castlevania. Wow! But as a whole, I think Arcane season wise was was a little bit better. Yeah. So that finishes my board. Anna, you did you watch any of it?
2: I watched the first episode. Um, and then you guys pulled me into Midnight Mass. <laughs> uh-huh. So I could have finished it. But uh, mainly the reason I wanted to watch it is because Kevin Alejandro is in it. And for those who don't know, Kevin Alejandro plays Detective Douche in <laughs> Lucifer. And I am a very big Lucifer fan. Um, I was really upset what they did to him in season in five but I still powered through but yeah the fact that I found out Kevin was in it I was like well I really enjoyed his performance in Lucifer so I started watching it and the episode that I did watch I really enjoyed um but I wasn't able to get that far into it
0: I will say episode one's the worst episode just because it has a lot to set up and everything else is after that it's just so much more interesting but even then it's still a good episode all right, yeah,
2: world building is the worst part. Yeah, yeah, world building right. is the worst part of the first season of any show, right? It's you either do it well <laughs> or you do it sloppy.
0: <laughs> yeah, Except if it's done invincible. well, I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm a world building fiend, though. That's my that's one of my favorite parts of of fantasy and and shows. All right, Kyle, you gave us Midnight Mass. I think you should leave season two. Feel good season two. What you got for us for your last pick?
1: Well, before we get to my last pick, we're going to go to another quick break.
0: And we're back for Kyle's last pick. What is it? What you got?
1: Oh, man. Uh, I'm torn between two and one is we've kind of the three of us have been doing a lot of like. Here's this show that you guys have never heard of. Let me sell it to you, <laughs> and I kind of want to do that with this last pick because I really want more people to watch this show. But the other one I want is one, of course, we all love, and I just want to talk about it. But we we gave it an effies, so I feel like I can, you know, it'll be in the honorable mentions. Um, I'm gonna go with the the Shrink Next Door. Uh, so basically, the Shrink Next Door is an Apple TV Plus series that is based on here's another podcast shout out uh based on a podcast um the same name basically about the true story of marty markowitz in the kind of 1980s to about 2010 and his relationship with his therapist uh ike fuck forgot his last name dr ike that's because that's kind of what he's just called in the show you, you don't really hear his last name a lot um Marty is played by Will Ferrell, and Dr. Ike is played by Paul Rudd. And I feel like that's kind of what I want to say to sell it, because I kind of mentioned this earlier. Paul Rudd, I mean, obviously one of the most likable human beings ever. I have never seen him play such a despicable character before. Uh, It starts out as what you think is going to be kind of like this offbeat comedy, especially with those two actors. Like, you would assume it's just going to be this comedy. Very quickly, you realize that Dr. Ike is like – just abusing his power as a therapist and kind of gets Marty to trust him and then immediately begins manipulating him and like isolating him from his family. Um, his sister is played by Catherine Hahn, who is also a fucking delight. Um, and you kind of see the, the fractures in their relationship and Dr. Ike just picks up on that and again, manipulates it to his own kind of his own agenda. Um, it's it's a really interesting show. It's, uh, I think, eight episodes? Six? I think it was eight. Um, and obviously one season, because it was based on, you know, kind of this whole life story that is over. Uh, but I, you know, heard about it, started watching it, and then, again, did not go and listen to the podcast. Because I was like, I, I don't want to know any true, you know, facts about this story. I want to not know what's coming. And I think that was the right choice, because it does take some really wild twists and turns and yeah it's just really about like I mentioned Paul Rudd and he is really great as the slimy therapist but it's also one of Will Ferrell's best performances and you know I've established before I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Will Ferrell all the time he's really great in this he's very sympathetic um he you know he's very funny as Will Ferrell always is but he also is just you just feel really feel for the guy because he I mean you get you kind of get why he trusts Dr. Ike so quickly is because Dr. Ike is like one of the only people in his life who like seems to give a shit about him. And so he very quickly kind of latches onto him. Um, And then it's just this really unhealthy relationship. I'm just very, I'm intrigued by this kind of like, like the way that like mental health uh, professionals can very easily, you know, abuse that power that they have. And it's a very, like you have to be careful with that kind of stuff. And so the way this show explored that was really intriguing. Um, And like I said, like Catherine Han, could show up in one scene of a show, and I'd probably still think she was the best part of the show. She was probably the best part of the show. She's just fucking incredible as Marty's sister. Has that Katherine Hahn uh like sass that we all love but also because the show kind of gets really dark at points also is very vulnerable in some scenes and really makes you feel for her it's just a very it's one of those things where i would say just to watch it on merit of the acting alone cuz it's not like a you know it's not a fantasy show where like a lot of action is happening and it's not a a drama like it's kind of a drama but it's it's really all about the characters and it's about the interactions between the characters um so yeah, I, I would definitely recommend the Shrink Next Door. I, you know, again, I, I considered this or a more well-known show, but I just I kind of picked this as my recommendation, like for everyone just go to check check this show out. So the Shrink Next Door.
2: Anna,
0: have you seen any
4: of this?
2: I've not. I'm actually like fiendishly googling it right now to find out more information about it. But it sounds really interesting. I mean, again, you had me at Catherine Hahn. You could just tell me katherine hahn is in it and <laughs> i would watch it no matter what but one paul rudd going dark kind of intriguing not gonna lie and i i like dark thriller stuff so i'm i'm kind of on board with this huh.
0: it it sounds dark like i had read i had heard about it i saw like a trailer i just i wasn't sure what to think about it and this was what i was waiting for i was waiting for like someone i knew to say hey, you should watch this. So I'm glad you endorsed it. It very much looked very different than what you would associate with Paul and Will, especially together Mm -hmm. in a show. So I wasn't I had no idea what to think of it. It definitely seems uh, very intense or just like something like you don't really know what to expect at any point. Is that is that what it kind of is? Is it methodical?
1: Kind of. What I really liked about it is that it could have gotten really dark and really intense. And of course, like the subject matter is, you know, pretty dark, but it's not because of like the charisma of Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd. Like they make it kind of like in a weird way, like very entertaining because you're kind of watching this man's life fall apart over the course of like however many years. But it's like you kind of have to keep watching because it's just so damn entertaining like they just they play it so well damon I know, I know you're a big fan of um happy endings i forget the actress's name but one of the lead uh actresses in that show plays paul rudd's it's wife
0: not Alisa cuthbert but the other is it penny? Uh, yeah
1: casey something um i think she plays penny in the show if i'm thinking of the right person uh but she plays paul casey Rudd. wilson yes yes casey wilson she plays Doctor Ike's wife, and she also has a really great Bonnie. supporting role. Yes, Bonnie, um, because she, you know, like, is his wife and supports him. But over the year, and I don't want to give anything from the show away, but it kind of sees some of the stuff he does in like manipulating Marty, and you kind of see her perspective of it and how she doesn't support that anymore. And like, like I said, it's a show that kind of spans from nineteen, I think, eighty four to twenty twenty one because this. Basically this entire story only came to a real like legal conclusion earlier this year, which I didn't know when I got into the show. So I thought that was really wow. intriguing. Yeah, it, it kind of catches up in real time to things that happened a few months ago. Um which is really cool because you also get to see Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell and old man makeup, which is, you know, always fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a very intriguing and like I said, could be really like dark to an uncomfortable degree, but isn't because it's like just really like the two leads kind of going back and forth. And Paul Rudd, like I said, it I didn't know I wanted to see him as like an asshole, but he fucking nails it. He's so OK, good.
0: I think I'll, I'll give that a shot. Then sounds very, very intriguing. Um, And I love, like, life sprawling, like, generation sprawling movies and shows. Like, you you see someone's whole life or, like, a very large period of time go by. I, I love stuff like that. All right, that is Kyle's last pick. That means we only have one pick left in this draft. Anna, what you got for us?
2: Okay, so I'm actually torn between two. And one of them is clearly better than the other one, but I don't think I'm going to draft it just because I know the two of you haven't watched it. And I know you've watched the other one.
4: Well,
0: okay. I, that is a fair uh, reason.
2: I really loved Lucifer season six, wrapping it up. I think it was honestly one of the best seasons of television I've watched because I cried literally every episode. I think it was a perfect wrap up to a series, but I am going to go with what we do in the shadows. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I said I wasn't going to draft it, but you guys kept talking about like all these shows that you loved. And I went, okay. I was like, I got to go for it. So (laughs) what we do in the shadows.
0: (laughs) What made season three so fun for you?
2: Well, I mean the opening scene in and of itself, right? Like they're trying to figure out what, they're doing with Guillermo and they kept him in a cage in the basement and they keep theoretically like feeding him a raw chicken but he keeps like breaking Uh out and like doing all the chores around the house even though he's this badass like vampire killer and he could totally kill them all it's just absolutely ridiculous and then in the season you have Nandor and, and Nadia ride to seats of power instead of one over the other um (laughs) and you know you really explore uh Nandor's love life which is always entertaining I'm a huge (laughs) Nandor simp um and then you have uh oh my gosh her name is like blanking on me the girl who plays Louise in Bob's Burgers what's her name Kristen Schaal Kristen Schaal thank you um she comes in and she definitely enhanced this season honestly I think this season was probably the best so far. Out of the three, just because she was an addition. Um, I mean, you, with the exception of the Buffalo Rochester episode, which was just very shocking. I, I just try to block that one out from my memory. Um, you know, like you have like the werewolves and the vampires um, competing. You explore Colin Robinson's love life. Uh, <laughs> there's the uh, the Atlantic City episode, which is just absolutely insane. Like best what friend hands their other friend a credit card and is like, Yeah, you're my best friend. <laughs> I love you both. I would never give you my credit card Good ever. Choice. That that and then so Guillermo's just like traveling around the world trying to find all this different type of dirt <laughs> just so these vampires can sleep. Like it, it's outrageous. <laughs> um, and then you have like the boys' night, which is really just like a, a multi level marketing scheme. Um, you know, so like many you have pillows, those... man. Oh, my God. Like <laughs> so many, I pillows. That many pillows. many um, pillows. Uh, what else is there? Uh, Not Just Doll is still there. Oh, my um,
1: God. Love that doll.
2: The... Honestly, though, my favorite episode would probably be the Wellness Center episode. <laughs>
0: That's a good one.
2: I love the short shorts. It's hilarious. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, it has like a cult. It has brainwashing. It has aerobics. Um, great soundtrack. It's got it all. Um, and then I don't want to spoil what happens at the end, but it's honestly one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. It's very uncomfortable. Um, but, yeah, I think overall, it was just I didn't think each episode could be getting better, and it did. It just it, it was all rise. like, barney simpson's soundtrack on
0: new year's eve how i met your mother so good yes i'm glad you drafted this because you you very much uh ride for this show and uh i i loved season three um i honestly think i prefer season two a slightly bit more but it's all just preferences i mean this was a really fun season guillermo is my favorite and you know I, I wanted to see him sprout his wings and and be that vampire killer. So it was it's a little bit much to see him still like stuck in this role, trying to s- make Nandor love him, which is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Love him, Nandor. God damn it. <laughs> um, but everyone's
4: not just, you, Guillermo. It- <laughs>
0: everyone's in their bag like everyone's doing their thing laszlo was really i'd love laszlo and colin robinson's so like good. bromance in this season <laughs> he's like yeah you know I, colin just seems to be scared about wanting to die so i'm just trying to help him out like you know he's being a real pal and there's just, every episode was really fun and very much like the vibe of what we do in the shadows is is very much established and they stayed in that every single time i, I loved everything they did i no, nothing was a was a bad step. Kyle, did you enjoy the season?
1: I did. I was watching season three like weekly as you know the episodes were dropping, and I don't, I don't know I can't remember why I think there was some other show that I was watching or I got behind or something. But after season or sorry episode six, I had stopped watching weekly, and I figured I was like all of them were going to come out, and then I'll catch up on all of them. Uh, I had a big thing from the uh, not the finale the penultimate episode spoiled for me which like we all know who my favorite character is so I was like very disappointed for that to be spoiled but I was like okay now I have to to catch up um in context it's the fucking funniest thing ever uh but yeah I I love I love this show I think that the movie is like one of the best comedies of the last few years and this it's always work cuz like the movie is such a unique movie like it's just very creative and original So you always wonder when a show is being spun off from it, especially a network show, you always worry, you know, like whether it's going to keep the spirit of it and the vibe of it. And it absolutely does. Um, there's points. I mean, generally I probably like the movie more, but there's points where the show reaches like the level of the movie and maybe surpasses it. Um, I would agree with them. And I'm slightly partial to season two, but I do really like this season. Uh, I, I fucking live for the uh, the casino episode. I just, everything about that episode is just, you get like Colin explaining the Big Bang Theory to, to <laughs> it's so good. Just everything about Turtles. that episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, it's a very, 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 I mean, Lucifer would have been a very pick as well, to be fair, but what we do in the shadows is like the ultimate pick. So I'm glad we finished the draft with that.
0: Right, and I will say I did like finally. Yeah. I'd never I mean, watched
1: the movie before, and I hmm. finally watched it. It was
0: amazing. So, yeah. Anna, sorry.
2: Uh, yeah. Like I said, I I really I think in terms of like better TV, Lucifer was definitely better, but I enjoyed what we do in the shadows more. Um, if you haven't seen it, Lucifer's season six, you need to watch it. It's so good. It will tug at your metaphorically dead heart. So. All right. That's it.
0: Well, that ended on a very, very high note. I think we drafted some fantastic TV show seasons. Uh, a couple I need to watch still. A couple I need to watch rewatch just because um, we did the damn thing. But there's so many seasons that we did not get to draft. Let's mention a couple that we wish we could have drafted, almost drafted, uh, or just you want to really give a special shout-out to. Anna, what, what's a couple for you?
2: Okay, uh, I got a shout-out, Wheel of Time. Um, obviously, I've really enjoyed that one. Shadow and Bone was a really great book-to-TV adaptation. Um, I mean, Damon already knows I'm going to shout-out you because I was literally live-tweeting him. <laughs> the whole time I was watching it. And he's like, oh, wait, there's more. (laughs) Um, I also really enjoyed Hacks. Kyle's going to kill me for that one. Um, (laughs) The deadpan look he's giving me right now is terrible. Um, I didn't watch this one either, but I also heard Underground Railroad was really good. Same. Mm -hmm. Um, Reservation was good, too.
0: So nice. Um, I like I said earlier. I almost drafted Castlevania season four. There's four seasons. It one of my f- most satisfying endings to a TV show I've ever I've ever watched. Uh, On my block, season four, also another very satisfying ending to a TV show, right there. <laughs> Loki season one, my favorite MCU show to date. I thought every episode was great, and then the ending was just, they did it. I thought like the fact that they actually introduced who they introduced and what they did was just so well done. I had Tad Lasso Season 2 up there as well, Will of Time, Hawkeye. I very much enjoyed Hawkeye. The ending was a bit messy and flawed, but I still enjoyed it. I I really did. Uh, I want to give a couple shout-outs to some some Disney Plus shows that don't get mentioned enough. That I thought were very, very good showings. Big Shot. Super surprising. Okay. Um, Uncle is Jesse it? as the basketball coach.
1: Oh, that's the Uncle Jesse one?
0: Yeah. Like, it's it's good. It really is. The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Just super nostalgic, but also pretty fun. Superstore Season 6. The last season of Superstore. It, one of the most relatable teat sitcoms i've ever watched super funny hit monkey and i'll give one more because i can't list them all um you know what sweet tooth was was very enjoyable you know it was was different
2: oh i'm Uh, hmm? i'm so glad that you mentioned sweet tooth because that i actually had that on my list and i did not mention it and i was very sad that was a very different show
0: (laughs) And yeah, so
2: it was so cute. Re-
0: so. It cute. Was, Reservation yeah. Dogs is another good show that I think is going to get really, really better with with some more seasons. Like season one was good, but
1: I think like season two could
0: be like definitely in my list next year. So, Kyle, hit us with some some honorable mentions.
1: Yeah, just to like say it at the top, I'm surprised between the three of us, not one Marvel Disney Plus show was drafted. I kind of like that. I'm glad that we gave some love to maybe some more underseen or underappreciated shows but I you know honorable mention to basically all of the the Marvel shows that came out this year it's pretty impressive that you know like my feelings on like specific parts of those shows aside they did not have a miss this year I mean you know each of those five shows were really really fun and entertaining um uh let's see the Bad Batch season one you know really really good stuff uh I thought Masters of the Universe Revelations was really underrated I thought Part one was probably better than part two. Um, and I think the really long wait kind of killed the the hype for it. Um, but I did enjoy uh, part one quite a bit. I like the, the voice work was really, really great. Um, Star Wars Visions was great. I didn't love every episode, but I'm really glad that we have something like this so that they can keep trying to do more, you know, creative anime-inspired uh, series and and shows for Star Wars because I feel like Star Wars and, you know, anime kind of go hand in hand. It feels like, um, yeah, we'll have time as well. Really, really strong first season. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with, uh, the rest of it and two dishonorable mentions. I have to, I have to mention because, Oh, Anna, here we go. Anna,
2: there we go.
1: Upon finding out she was going to be on this episode, obviously was in a mad dash to watch all the TV she could, which is very, you know, admirable. Uh, Of all the shows she watched, she dragged me along on The Irregulars and The Nevers. Two fucking horrible shows. Um,
2: They're awful. Don't watch them.
1: They're bad. The Irregulars is way worse. So if you're going to watch one of the two, you know... I mean, The Nevers is... The Nevers is not really, really terrible until the finale. And then I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Um, The Irregulars, I... I'm going to give a little bit of a plot point away. I'm sorry if you haven't seen it, but this is just my way of like explaining how angry this show makes me. This is the only, as far as I remember, the only uh, adaptation of Sherlock Holmes and John Watson to canonize John Watson's love for Sherlock. And it had to be in this fucking pile of shit. Like Sherlock on BBC danced around that, but never really confirmed it. This show makes it canon, which should be a great thing, but it's surrounded by a fucking terrible show. The worst incarnations of both John Watson and Sherlock Holmes. In that relationship, Sherlock is supposed to be the asshole, but they're both assholes. Watson, especially, is a fucking asshole to the main characters of this show. Uh, Terrible show. Don't watch it.
2: He's played by the guy that plays Eastred in Witcher, if
1: that helps. Yeah, watch that instead. Don't watch this. Yes.
2: Way better.
1: <laughs> all right. And, uh, the
2: soundtrack of that show is just terrible. <laughs>
1: God damn Absolutely terrible. terrible. The
2: <laughs> only good part about that show are the outfits, and that's it.
3: Well,
0: watch all the shows we mentioned except for those two. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun one, guys. Uh, I love talking about TV. Some great TV this year. You know, I think we're going to get just another stacked year next year. Uh, Anna, thank you so much for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Always love hearing your views on all of this. And uh, I'm so glad we got you to watch a horror show. Like, I feel very, uh, you know, like we we accomplished something. Right. You did. I'm so proud. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think we will have you on again in two weeks from now. Yep, two, three it's gonna weeks. Be your
2: most cha- yeah, it's going to be your most chaotic episode to date.
0: Oh, we have both agents of chaos on that one—you and Thad, uh, along with our friend uh, Dom. I mean, yeah, Dom. So it's gonna be—it's gonna be a blast. Great, fun birthday gift for me. Um, yeah,
2: I, <laughs> I can't yeah, tell if sarcastic or if you're being serious.
0: No, oh no, I asked for it. I asked for Damon it wants this. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh
2: boy!
3: <laughs>
0: um, if y'all had not listened to the Harry Potter Hunger Games, I definitely recommend it. It's a new style we're trying out, and we just kill everybody, except for one person. So it's it's a blast, and we're doing that to the MCU in a couple
1: weeks. I'm We've still got... traumatized from the first one, so I don't know how I'll make it through this one. Uh, I already know I... I'm going to be crying. Micah, friend of the pod, great guy. Always been a fan of Micah. After that episode, I was like, I don't know if I can talk to Micah for much longer, man. He fucking killed me. <laughs> <sighs>
0: Oh, he was just doing his job as a game master. That's right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, we've got some really great episodes and stuff coming soon. Uh, You got anything for the people,
1: Kyle? Nope. Uh, Thank you all for another year of Planet Fantasy. We have really appreciated you listening throughout uh, 2021. Um, Yeah, we we appreciate the feedback. Uh, So keep it coming. Let us know if you have any episode ideas or if you'd like to be on a specific episode. We'd love to hear it. If there's a draft out there that you want to be done, I I can guarantee, one, Damon's already thought of it because he's a genius. But two, we'll probably do it because we will draft literally anything. Um, But yeah, it's going to be a fun year. 2022 is going to bring us a lot of, like Damon mentioned, new stuff, like the Hunger Games, uh, new kind of experimental stuff. But also, you know, our series, Stewards of Sound is also chugging along. Next will be, you know, the 80s. And yeah, lots of more FEs and just all kinds of fun stuff. So stay tuned for that. This is what we do.